603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. In the studio tonight, it's Ian. And Jay New. And, of course, there's a lot in the news to talk about. The so-called government shutdown is looming. If we get a chance, we can fill you in on that. Uh, unless, of course, they save it, you know, from shutting down within the yeah, next day or so. I've been getting teased about shutdowns, you know, every four years, it seems like, for my entire life. And yeah, it, it never, never really. Yeah, it never really comes through in any sort of meaningful sense. But uh, something that I've been holding on to here, Jay, for, I don't know, a few weeks now caught my attention because I know you, one of the things you love talking about is the addiction that not just the average person, the average millennial or Gen X or whoever has to a device like a cell phone or tablet or something like that, but especially children uh, oh, yeah. and, and parents who have used and are using electronic devices like a cell phone or a tablet with their you know, infants. You know, mm-hmm. in many cases, the, as soon as they come out of the womb, they're slapping a cell phone in, in their hand and, you know, to distract them from whatever. Instead of sitting them in front of, like in the 1990s, it was Barney, right? Yep. Like you'd sit the kids in front of the television and let the television do the uh, the babysitting. Now it's Apple and Android and, you know, apps and things like that. So I know this is going to interest you. Uh, it's about a town that not in the United States, because I don't think this would fly in the United States, but over in the UK, a town apparently actually banned children from accessing smartphones. That's interesting. Yeah. So uh, I was just talking to a, a young lady uh, who I met at Porkfest this year, and she um, is... Uh, like a young a woman or like a child? Or what oh, she's 24 about? years old. Does she, have, does she have kids? Nope, she doesn't have okay. kids. Okay. Uh, but she, she definitely really wants to have kids. She's mm-hmm. got a, a man about her age that she's, uh, she's with, uh, you know, she's got some good values raised by good people. Uh, and anyways, she went to school for like a lot of these, uh, <clears throat> neurological type things. And she wants to help me out with, uh, you know, really getting my message, uh, across to people in simple terms that they can understand it. You know, this, this series of lectures talked to her for about an hour on the phone today. That was really good. Hmm. And uh, we were talking about the uh, internet addiction and stuff like that, but with, with the um, oh, and she said that she was uh, at she she moved here to New Hampshire for for the Free State Project. She lives up in uh, cool. north of here, and she went to a Vivek Ramaswamy meetup or meet and greet or town hall or something he mm-hmm. was doing, and she brought up about internet addiction, and he said that he would like to basically make it illegal for kids under sixteen to use. Uh, like social media. And she says, well, if you look at all social media, kids, you know, under a certain age, depending on which one, aren't supposed to be on it. But still, seven-year-olds and eight-year-olds are accessing it. They're there uh, anyway. You know, yeah. and and it's like, what are you supposed to do? Uh, you know, make sure that you're the 14-year-old or the 16-year-old has some kind of state-issued ID to make sure they're on social media. And then... That's a scary gotta, idea. Right, which I don't like that. And then all you got is the... Um, you know, you got you got VPN. So, like, you know, I was talking about how in China, China has uh, there's a different TikTok for China Chinese kids than mm. there is for like American. Well, the American TikTok is way more popular with the Chinese youth, and all they really? do is uh, so. I I I did like it uh, with uh, Autonomy Unlimited, mm-hmm. Autonomy dot com, uh, Richard Grove, and a bunch of guys. I uh, got this really good you know thing that's actually doing a lot of good for america we should really talk about autonomy unlimited more often 
um, because they're, they're being super helpful. But they're, they're training people essentially to, to come out of their shell, to be their best, to be go-getters instead of just, you know, working a corporate job, to be like they're encouraging entrepreneurship. Anyways, so I did – I'm working on the, with those guys on my, you know, lecture presentation. So I did a, a lecture presentation a while ago, and one of the guys that, I, that was in the audience was kind of like a, you know, a test audience. He's in China. And he's been in mm. China for a long time. And I, I mentioned that, well, in China, there's, you know, they don't have access to American TikTok. And the Chinese TikTok is all about engineering and, you know, um, like like building, you know, uh, building the um, intellect and the uh, skill set. It doesn't like have how a bunch do of things. stupid crap. Is right. What you're so saying? it's not a addictive, repetitive, you know, mm. kitten things and, you know, these stupid dancing you know, videos, quick, free dopamine right. hit deals. So and he goes, well. But all the kids are getting around that, and they're all and the uh, he was basically saying that best he can tell that the American form of TikTok is more popular in China than the wow. Chinese TikTok for the Chinese youth because basically any twelve year old that's you know been messing with a tablet or has had free time on any of these devices for any amount of time, I happen to know one of these t- you know twelve year olds who's you know got a lot of device time, and I can call him up when I have some kind of issue. <laughs> And or I'll call his dad and he goes, oh, my son will tell you how to do that. And, right. you know, hand him the phone and he, and he walks me through it. But his dad's an IT guy. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, uh, the kids are sharp. They know how to get around these VPNs. They know how to like, uh, it, you know, access whatever is going to get their dopamine hit. So they, so like when, when right. these parents are like, I'm like, oh, you got a 12 year old boy. Does do you let him uh, use the Internet? Oh, yeah. He's got his own computer. He's got his own tablet and a smartphone. And I said, so. Like uh, his brain is, you know, he's developing right now attraction. What kind of a what kind of woman he's going to be attracted to the rest of his life? That is kind of what's going on when you're 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And and the uh, the mother's like, oh, my son doesn't do that. And 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 the dad, <laughs> like, he can't even respond to me. He's horrified. This is actually a conversation I had with uh-huh. uh, some people at a uh, uh, pork fest. And he's like, because his dad just knows, you know, he, he just, he just truth. knew, you know, the mom's like, Oh no, my son would never do that. And the father was, yeah. So just like, uh, Oh, and the thing is the problem with the internet devices and all these internet companies is they all got major government contracts and subsidies. And this mm-hmm. is why they're all in a position of power that they are. And, the, and they're actually, I believe they're more powerful than the governments. They're actually probably, you know, controlling the governments, but you know, they don't want you know, Google and AI doesn't want you to know they're in control. The technocracy if they are. is, yes. I think, what they call it. I want to come back around to what you said about uh, this Vivek Ramaswamy guy oh, right. yep. uh, saying to people he wants to ban children or young people under the age of 16 from using social media. And I'm and paraphrasing he, when I say that, but I didn't hear him say that. This is what this girl said to me. So I've heard that as well. I mean, I've yeah. not heard it directly from him, but I've also heard that he is in support of something like that. And uh, and I think you've identified correctly some of the problems with that, right? Like, so even though you, as a parent, are very critical of uh, you know using devices as as children, et cetera, and the potential damage uh, that it could do, you've talked extensively here on Free Talk Live about that. But you wouldn't support an actual ban on it. No, You're no. not in, in favor of that. You understand the ramifications of a ban on that could actually make things worse in the United States as far as personal freedoms yep. as far as the freedom to raise your country because if you essentially if you tell the government yes tell me how to raise my kids then they're gonna and they're yep. gonna come up with all kinds of rules i mean they've already got plenty of them well they're gonna add even more to it and then now we're talking about jail time 
for parents if they let their kids go on you know some sort of social media if you disagree with parents and how they raise their kids that's fine but that's as far as it should go oh yeah is a simple conversation the attempt to persuade you can work and you do this when you're on the show regularly you're trying to persuade parents by convincing them that Maybe not allowing their kids on all the time is a really good idea. Maybe using it on a special occasion is okay, but having them constantly on these devices may be a problem. But empowering the state through being able to, like you said, create some sort of child ID or whatever the, whatever the enforcement mechanism would look like in order to stop or at least attempt to stop young people from using social media you want to talk about empowering the tech bros or the technocracy? Oh, right. That would absolutely I, do it. I just see banning children from using social media is going to be like saying that they can't have alcohol till they're right. 21. Right. It's It'll going to be like saying, saying you can't have this particular substance because it's, you know, does whatever, whether it be like a how, drug or something. How many young people when they turn 21 have never had a drink before? Uh, very few. It's got to be like yeah. less than 1% of them. And a lot of young people before they're twenty one, they're sneaking to drinks. They're sneaking to drink. Right. You know, it's and and it's it's sort of like a goal. You know, it's because it's not supposed to happen. You know, a lot of people are. You know, it brings out the rebellious part it's of them, the and they just fruit. want to do it. Yeah. And then when they become twenty one, it's like oh, I can just drink all I want. And I've seen so many young people, you know, my age, younger mm-hmm. than me, a little older than me, um, that uh, th- I believe because. Th- it was a culture of where you had to sneak it and then it became fun. It became like a game mm-hmm. uh, that as, and then when it became, you could do it whenever you want because alcohol is super cheap yep. and, and it's everywhere and it's super addictive uh, and, and is super destructive yep. uh, that a lot of people have just gone, you know, and they're partying every weekend. Sure. And then, and then, um, you know, they're, they're 45 years old and they're wondering why they have all these health problems and they get hammered mm-hmm. every weekend, you know, people like that. Or, and then they, then they're, you know, every day after work, they're not getting hammered maybe, but they're, you know, having several alcoholic beverages. So we know prohibition doesn't work. Alcohol right. prohibition didn't work. Drug prohibition didn't work. Uh, prohibiting people from moving from point A to point B doesn't work. And prohibiting people from using phones is also not going to work. However, There's an example here uh, from the-sun.com. It says it's one of the toughest decisions faced by parents when when to give in to their younger children's constant demands for a smartphone. Startling recent figures from communications regulator Ofcom, this is again in the UK, shows that 20% of kids have a smartphone by the age of three. That is so sick. One out of five children. Now this is in the UK? In the UK. Yeah. And that rises to 55% between the ages of 8 and 11. According to the story here, the residents of one seaside town in Ireland, however, have decided they don't want their little ones to spend their most formative years peering into a tiny LCD screen. The entire parent population of Greystones in County Wicklow got together to agree not to buy smartphones for their kids until they were in secondary school. I presume that's the equivalent of a middle so school or a high school. This, this sounds like a voluntary thing of all these people not agreeing. I kind of like what I've heard so far. Yeah, if it is indeed voluntary, as they say, it says the entire parent population. So if that's true, then that's it, fine. Here's what's right? really cool about that. Uh, so you're like, hey, we're not going to let my friends use. My, I'm not going to. I'm not going to let my kids use cocaine. I mean, internet devices. 
<laughs> and, you know, if you look, this is what they're referring to these things as, digital cocaine. It does the same exact thing to the mm-hmm. brain. It stimulates the same exact part of the brain. So what's nice about that is, like, you know, for example, like, you know, uh, my wife and I will do, like, the intermittent fasting for five days in a row together. Okay. And it's, uh, it's pretty easy when we're both on the same page. You Makes know, because 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 uh, it's kind of hard to intermittent fast when you know you got a two year old and a three year old and you're cooking them eggs at eight o'clock in the morning. You and, smell those and, eggs and, and you're and, like, and, oh and, my god! And you know, but you're not going to eat until two thirty in the afternoon yeah. or three o'clock. It's a lot easier when there's not co- food cooking all around. And you. Uh, but but it's also a lot easier when you know my wife and I are kind of on the same page and doing it together. Yeah, sure. So if everybody in town is sort of agreeing with each other, they're not going to use devices. And then somebody in town starts using a device uh, or letting their kids use device. You could be like, hey, what are you doing? What's going on? Well, you know, what we really got to get into about the devices is why are parents leaning on devices? But we'll get into that after you uh, read a little bit. Sure. Uh, So eight of the primary schools in town, which is 15 miles south of Dublin, had already stopped their uh, pupils from bringing the electronic devices into the learning environment. But the school parent associations then went further by initiating a voluntary ban among themselves. It is what they call a revolutionary approach, which would likely be welcomed by parents in Britain as well. A survey by Vodafone this week revealed that choosing when to give a child their first mobile phone was as tough for some parents as selecting the right school to send their children to. And in July, the United Nations Education, Science, and Culture Agency, UNESCO, called for phones to be banned from classrooms across the world. When the sun visited Greystones, the locals were grateful for the chance to free youngsters from the pressure to be permanently connected to social media. Anja Schubert, who had lived in the town for 25 years, says, I signed up. It gives me another three years for my daughter to not have a smartphone. I suppose the majority of people would feel under pressure to buy a phone for their child because their peers have it. So the more kids that don't have one, the easier it is for us. And she makes a good point there. I mean, peer pressure is a thing. It's a real thing, not just among kids, but among adults as well. And if uh, your kids go into a school, which, of course, you shouldn't send your kids to government school in the first place, but wherever it is your kids are spending time, if all of their friends have the thing, in this case, the smart de- uh, device, then the pressure's really going to be on because they're going to want to play Angry Birds with their, you know, or whatever it is that yeah. the, the thing is. They want them to join their TikTok channel or whatever. And if your kid doesn't have the device, then they will feel left out of the social circle. On the other hand, if none of the kids have the device, then they're going out and like playing tag or whatever it is that, you know, kids used to do back in the old days. So that's one of the biggest things I have. Uh, there's about a network of uh, parents I've been in communication with now for basically like two years. Um, <clears throat> and it's sort of all real start started. A lot of this started uh, last year at Porkfest. Uh, you know, so it'd be Porkfest 2022. I just, you know, was really just saying to everybody I was talking to while well, I was cooking mm-hmm. at that pork fest. Talk to a lot of people when you're cooking there. Right. And I'm like, get your kids off the internet. Uh, no no devices. Oh, you don't let your kids do devices. No, because there's like people right in front of me that are like, I know them. I love them. They're good people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've known them for, I only see them at pork fest usually. And, you know, the kids like, you know, in, in a stroller and they, it's got a phone in front of them. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, don't, you know, I go. So another friend of mine, he's got a six year old last year. I think, you know, so the kid was seven this year. And, uh, he's like, oh, I don't know. I got to get the kid off the internet device. I'm like, all right, well, you're at Pork Fest, so 
there should be no internet pork fest, no internet yeah. while you're camping. And when you get home, the internet device doesn't come out. It doesn't work. So mm-hmm. like uh, my, my daughter to get her off the pacifier, what we started doing was only allowing her to have the pacifier in the car. Mm-hmm. And then we, last winter, we, so she was just, you know, coming three years old last winter when we go down to visit my mom, we left the pacifier at home and mm-hmm. we get to a totally different environment. You know, we get to my mom's house and we flew on a plane for a few hours, there's no pacifier. So if you can, you know, take, it, it really seems like 72 hours is like the key for like a lot of the younger kids. Um, like breaking somebody of a smoking habit. Yep. Uh, so if we can keep them <laughs> off devices. So, so like, like some real good ideas. Uh, a lot of people have grandma and grandpas that don't have devices. Mm-hmm. Go to grandpa's farm or whatever sure. grandma's house for a while or go camping and just new stimulations, yeah, new, and new synapses are firing, right? L- leave the device there. And so, but the thing is, is that was I, the point, by the way, of going camping back in the day. Like I remember in the 1990s when I was you know, growing up, uh, going camping, the whole point was to get away from television, to right. get away from the phone, to and get away from games. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but the problem is, is now all the campgrounds are set up with, with Wi Fi <laughs> and 5G yeah. and your phones work everywhere. Right. Uh, so, and then you're, you're at campgrounds and half the people are, you know, sitting at picnic tables. I was just at another campground. I was over there helping a friend fix their camper. Uh, mm-hmm. And I noticed like so many people just like, sitting there you know with you know and couples couples and kids and they're all on a device yeah and and they're just sitting at a picnic table at the campground so anyways i i tell these uh, you know and i'm been in communication with these parents and, and you know how's it going so oh, it was really good uh we got home uh there's no internet uh and you know we started um uh and, oh so the thing i suggested was like uh, reading books so one one guy He's got a four-year-old and had been using a, a had its own tablet that grandma got him the tablet. Mm-hmm. So, um, and she, she had a tablet for like a year, and I'm like, well, just start reading your four-year-old a book, and and it actually like the transition was a little rough going into the book. I don't I don't want the book. I want my tablet. I don't want the book. I want my tablet. But but when they uh, when they started reading a book at Pork Fest. They were there like day number three because they would let the kid, I guess, watch videos of some hmm. whatever. And and he really thought it was OK because it was approved by like this education association. It was approved by like this whatever child welfare group or oh, something, boy. you know, these these videos, whatever their ch- children appu- yeah. approved. So uh, so that transitioning to the book and reading book and, and books that are like interesting, like a physical book, like yeah, an physical one paperback with book. Mm-hmm. Uh, every morning, uh, my kids are like, "Dad, read a book." Mm-hmm. Uh, every night, Dad, read a book. I read a lot, and and, and it's really good. So, uh, and so that was a good transition, uh, reading a book. But as soon as the kid would see somebody with a device, um, the kid was like. You know, it 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 you know be like an alcoholic's you know walking into a bar and can't drink. Hey man, can I bum your device? So so oh, well, the kid will like start have you're really getting just upset. You know, uh-huh. at four years old. So and actually, a guy I met with a couple of days ago, I'm sitting there with my daughter, and he and he goes, um, before I take my phone out of my pocket because uh, he need, needed to read me something off his phone. He goes, Are you okay with your kids seeing uh, internet devices? I'm like, Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Uh, you know. Nice um, of him to ask. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 it was the first time I was ever at, and this guy had no idea of the stuff I'm into. We oh, had really? just met for the first time. Oh, wow. And uh, so he was like, you know, I, I filled him in a little about my investing in our posterity thing I'm working on. He liked it. 
So, but he says, yeah, he's, he he uh, has uh, six or seven uh, uh, close uh, families that he, you know, regularly, you know, meets with or, or does fellowship with or friends with or whatever. And uh, they don't want uh, anybody bringing a, any kind of phone into their house. Mm-hmm. No device, no internet, nothing. Um, they, uh, and that what they're going to do is basically when their kids about 12 or 13 years old, they'll let them start using computer. Like, but not something like not hooked a phone. Up to, okay. Yep. Not, not, not a, not a smartphone, but mm-hmm. like a computer to do things, to do research, do typing. Um, and also, you know, when I, like even something I'm, I'm going to buy, if I see it at a tag sale or something, I'm going to buy an encyclopedia set if Jeez. I come across one. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Because I, so I, I, I think that, they still make those. They still make them, but you can, They're expensive, you can get them pretty inexpensive yeah. every now and then. And I've, over the years I've passed up a few and I like, Ugh. I don't know where I'm going to mm. put all that, but now, like, I, I have a real You'll good make purpose. for it. Yeah. Well, I have a purpose for it now because this yeah. is how I want to teach my kids how to do research is by flipping through pages mm. and reading things. So anyways, uh, <clears throat> where was I going with this? So the uh, the internet devices, uh, there's a lot of people are awake to this. Oh, the big problem is, so they, they go camping, the kid gets off the internet device, and then all of a sudden, and one guy says to me, well, when they went back to school, their friend had it. I'm like, why are you sending your kid to school? Mm-hmm. So you, so so the problem is is like when you like I don't know if you've ever been to any AA meetings, but nope. I've, I've had some. Uh, I, I have gone to many many AA meetings since I was about seventeen years old. Hmm. Um, friends, girlfriends, uh, relatives. Uh, they let you bring guests. Well, so I I would go as like a support. Okay. Um, and then I also had a a, a few friends that were having a hard time with opiates so i would go mm-hmm. to na meetings with them okay but the, the biggest thing they push is you just cannot hang around those people that are doing that that are Absolutely. drinking and drugging and it's really got to be the same thing for your kids so like my kids i don't let my kids hang out or interact with kids that use internet devices makes sense and i'm not going to and i have friends that are like very offended about this well too bad right uh, there's uh, more to talk about here especially with you know what exactly happened because we know that this town in uh, Ireland, Greystones is what it's called. They say that the parents agreed to not purchase phones, smartphones for their kids until they got into what's called secondary school. And I, again, I'm presuming that's like their equivalent of middle school or Probably. maybe early high yeah. school or something. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, what was the result of this? The number here is 603-283-6160. As always, you can join the show here and bring up what you want. This is Free Talk Live. we got more coming up. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and its features ensure Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their Chainlocks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. It's Free Talk Live. 
you join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Talking about uh, prohibiting your children from accessing smartphones and other you know, various computing devices up until a certain age. Under what circumstances should it be allowed? One town in Ireland, apparently voluntarily, the parents came together and pledged to not purchase any smart device for their kids until a certain age. We'll talk more about that coming up here. It's Ian and Jay in the studio tonight. Free Talk Live and this hour of the show is brought to you by Dash. It's digital cash. Dash is a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. If you're tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar or the other central bank currencies, maybe you don't live in the U.S., you've got the same problem where you are if you've got a central bank. You can live your life on Dash instead but you probably could use some useful websites like bitrefill.com to help you with that. Bitrefill has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. So you can buy gift cards for, I don't know, 100 plus different businesses there. Very, very handy stuff. Now, what about paying your bills? Spritz.finance can help you do that, at least in the United States. I don't know if Spritz is available outside. I've heard they're working on Canada. But if you're in the U.S., you can definitely use Spritz.finance to pay your bills. And you can even use it to convert your uh, Dash into dollars. If you, for whatever reason, still need those things, uh, you can get dollars to your bank account thanks to Spritz. Finance. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies out there. It's widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol, and it's in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get. It's easy to use Dash, and you can start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending Free Talk Live 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. That is Dash.org. As we go to the phones here, we have Sheriff David Hathaway is with us. He is from uh, Santa Cruz County down there in Arizona. Uh, welcome back to the show, David. What, uh, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, good evening, Jay and, even, and Ian. We're just sitting in the Tucson airport now, getting ready to fly out to New Hampshire. And we, I just had, got the disgusting privilege of watching a TSA employee grope my wife. You know, oh, it's either right. that or the naked body scanner. I just really never like to fly, but, yep, it's ugly. you know, we, we wanted to come back but it's just it's so horrible and all the conflicting instructions and the you know the uh the the pompousness and the arrogance and everything like that but anyway we just got done with that uh-huh. <clears throat> but the main thing i was calling is uh we just got done watching we actually watched them a couple of times uh two videos the one of the free talk live studios getting raided and that was just so disgusting you could mm-hmm. see the you guys being drug out early morning just with, you know, like nightgown and you can see little flakes of snow in the air and let's just looking at the damage that they did and then smashing the cameras, you know, security cameras so there's no evidence of what they're doing and ripping mm-hmm. that window off the frame and, uh, you know, watching, um, watching the little dog just run around out there. Um, but anyway, that, it, it, it just, was horrible. People should really want yeah, and just the background music that you selected, it was like some fascist, <laughs> I don't know, either sound like a Soviet rally or a yeah, Hitler it was, yeah. you, rally. Yeah, you got it. it. Was, yeah. <laughs> whatever it was, it was. Actually, it was two it was tracks. One of them was like a, a Russian uh, kind of Soviet sounding track, and then another one was a fascist one from like the Nazi regime. So there was actually two tracks in there. 
on that video. Yeah, and if anybody hasn't seen that, I can't remember if that was on the Crypto6.com website. I'm pretty sure it's there, yeah. The Crypto6.com, yeah. But it was unbelievable. And just to see the disgusting, all these guys with their little goofy, little tactical nonsense decked out, you know, um, right. just looking like they're in some foreign war invading, invading. Yeah. Some, By the way, their, know, their excuse for that. Uh, so we got to actually play this video in the trial. Unfortunately, the jury didn't seem to care. But uh, but we did play the the video actually more than once during the trial, and it was addressed by some of the, uh, the states or the government witnesses. And they claimed that they needed to come in in that way, using you know dozens of armed agents, two bearcats, battering rams, you know that sort of thing, taking what, like you said, windows uh, out completely, smashing them in. I believe there was at least uh, one smoke or flashbang used, and uh, they said this was all necessary because their research had uh, revealed that my roommate, Matt, who's been on the show on, a, on occasion on Thursday nights, he has guns. Even though <laughs> he's never been convicted or charged with any sort of violent crime, he has all of his guns completely legally kept. He even has, like, ATF registrations for certain things that he has. Like, he's completely on the record, completely legal uh, with that stuff. But that was their excuse. Oh, he has guns, so we have to use maximum force. It was absolutely it was so, ridiculous. It was disgusting. It was obvious that they didn't want any evidence to survive survive yeah. what, they, what they did. Like, and I don't know how it did survive you can see them after the entry smashing cameras trying to destroy any anything that would capture an image of what they're doing yeah. and um you know i'm i'm so glad that you were able to preserve or retain or maybe you lost i, I was amazed they sent they sent them back uh they they had taken the the recording devices right so that when they when they actually went through the house they snatched the hard drive uh, computers. They're just little computers, right, these days, these camera systems. So they snatched the actual recording decks, and amazingly, they sent them back to me in, in 2021. Well, that's great. And another thing we really enjoyed was uh, Bonnie's boldness. We, we were so impressed on her parking ticket, her $15 parking ticket. And <laughs> The spiel that she gave to, you know, like, what's your authority here and how do you have authority? Who do you work for? Oh, I don't work for anybody, you know, and it's like, okay, who signs your paycheck? Oh, nobody signs my paycheck. I got an electronic. Well, where does it come from? <laughs> Just, uh, it was great. And maybe nobody in the Yeah, she really had that judge that. on the ropes. Like, he... <laughs> He was smooth yeah. in the way that he tr tried to dodge her, but you could tell he was he was reaching. Yeah, and the way you splice the whole thing together, like the, uh, the I don't know, some kind of clerk or bureaucrat behind a window, and she's telling you, you know, don't film me or don't film my desk and don't this and that. And mm -hmm. it was neat how it was all edited together, and there was some overlaid, um, you know, commentaries on it stuff. But we really enjoyed that, too. Oh, good. Do yeah. it, go on to all that for just a $15 ticket, you know, if more people <laughs> would do that, like th that stuff would, they'd, they'd be less like, and, and then the, uh, whatever she was, meter maid or whatever, the, yeah. she seemed like totally clueless, like nobody had ever fought her on anything, you know, just like, oh no, kind of, she's been in that here? seat, yeah. she's been in that seat many, uh, many a time, or at least a few other times, because bon bon Bonnie's oh. certainly not the first person to fight a parking ticket up here, but yeah, she was, it, it, you could tell she had an attitude about it. Like she's rolling yeah. her eyes and making faces when Bonnie and was asking. And why should I have to explain any of this? Why should I have to explain how the kiosk interfaces with the parking meter or with anything else? Like, why are you even daring to question my authority? Right. But 
anyway, that was really impressive. Thanks. I'll let and her know you said that. Okay. I think we're about 10 minutes from boarding here. We go to Phoenix and then connect Phoenix to Boston, and then we got a rental car. So All right, cool. we'll be seeing you guys in a, in a couple of days, maybe. It's going to be a late night. If you, you're coming in tonight? Yeah, it's going to arrive. The, we sit in Phoenix for, I think, about four hours, and then it's an overnight flight. We ri- arrive at 5-something in the Oof. morning in Boston and then get All our right. rental car and and then go to go sleep. Teen. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, right, it's well, going to be fun, though. We never, we've never been to New England, so it's going to be a fun trip. Well, it'll be great seeing you up here, and if you get the chance, uh, come on out and see us on Sunday before the uh, the hearing. You're coming up. For listeners that don't know, I have a sentencing hearing on Monday. It's at Federal Court in Concord, New Hampshire at 10 a.m. If you're going to be in uh, New England, come on out and see us. Uh, I would appreciate anybody that, that shows up in, in case of uh, David here, he's yeah, coming and, from across uh, the country. So, uh, but we Karen have things that made, we have things we do on Karen, Sundays here in in Keene. I know you said you're staying oh, in the Keene area, so we is, have is to that the four the four twenty thing or yeah? There's a four twenty at uh, Ra- Railroad Square in downtown Keene, and then there's uh, the uh, five thirty social Sunday, which we'll probably have a lot of visitors. As I understand it, some people are coming out from Manchester, so there's probably going to be oh, I, know, I, twenty people. I think I, well, that listed like a, maybe an Indian Indian restaurant and some alternative thing. Yeah, yeah, and like Karen, she's crocheting all the time, so she made you and Bonnie each a crocheted animal. She does. Huh. She's That's always sweet. crocheting. She makes up like an animal every day. I think she made That's a cool. donkey for you with a sombrero on it, and I think Neat. she made a bear for Bonnie. But All right. <laughs> hey, uh, Sheriff. Anyway. Um, I want to uh, thank you for the letter uh, we got about oh four or five days ago. I think it was from you. Uh, my wife opened it and read it, and uh, she she was um, she was very touched. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to let you know that. And I told her we were going to be visiting with you. Um, when you come up here. So we're looking forward to seeing you. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we are too. Okay. Uh, talk to you later. Thanks guys. man. Thanks Thank for you. the call tonight. Appreciate it. Uh, coming all the way from the Southern border there, the border uh, town, or I think it's Nogales, which is in Santa Cruz County to come up for uh, not just to visit new, new England, but also to attend my sentencing, which is really, really kind. Uh, so, and he wrote a letter as well, which is awesome. You know, it's, it's always nice to have a letter to a judge coming from sheriff, you know, yeah. Letter, letterhead, right? Let's continue here. We got Dave Ridley. He's on the line uh, from RidleyReport.com, also calling from New Hampshire. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, just a reminder that the sentencing activities begin, they start at uh, 8.30 a.m. on Monday, not, not so you, you want to get there at 8.30 Oh, you're talking about, I heard there's, there might be like some sort of an event going on outside. Uh, some activists are planning on holding signs and things like that starting at 8, 8.30 is what you're saying, right? Right. It should be a, I've scheduled a demonstration for 8.30. Oh, cool. I don't know how that. many of us will be there, but uh, just a reminder that, that that's, that's the time to focus on. If you're coming all the way out there, you might as well get, get there early. And you get, get there at the beginning. But okay. the, um, uh, I, I was actually calling about something else, and I, I guess there is a... Um, I, I would call him a New Hampshire Liberty activist and or free stater. I think he's probably both. Um, but he who is uh, suing uh, Massachusetts over their gun laws. You're talking about bare arms. Correct. Okay. Yeah. I guess, as I understand it, he was charged. He said he had firearms in his, or they was charged with having firearms in his own property. Um, yes. And so he's trying to create some sort of a, it looks like a, I don't know if I'd call it class action lawsuit, but he's looking for other plaintiffs to join the the, the suit. So he's suing it for the federal level against the state's 
you know, the Massachusetts sort of dracon- draconian gun laws. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, Bear Arms is a real go-getter. He's a, a excellent activist. He's new to the area up here. Uh, he's a, as I understand it, he is a free stater. Uh, but uh, having spent a lot of time apparently down in Massachusetts, he's a doctor uh, down there, and he's also a big gun rights activist who, as you said, was arrested for shooting guns on his own property with his children. Uh, which should be his right to do, and he he clarified because he came on the show with us uh, with Jay and I a few weeks, maybe like three weeks ago at this yep. point, and he clarified that it is not the same thing legally to bear arms, which is your right, as it is to uh, carry arms. carry a firearm, carry which a is firearm. a legal term, and he says that that has to do carrying a firearm has to do with. You know, being licensed to carry out specific things with the government has like, to do with like an occupational license, essentially. So yeah. if you're like a security guard, if you're a police officer, if you're in the military, you are carrying arms and doing it as a service, essentially a government service. He talked a little bit about, too. Yeah. He says that's why you need the license. But if you're just going to bear arms then that's your right. You don't need a license. That's the sort of the crux of what I, he's arguing, as I understand it, in court. And it's very interesting. I don't know the exact date of that show, but if you were to go into the archives and I think listen it was to that. right before my original sentencing date, so I right. bet you it's like first week of September. Uh, yeah, basically it's, it's three or four weeks ago, yeah. and uh, that is a very informational pact. I, really I, interesting show. I yeah. told a lot, of, a lot of people to go check that out, and, and they, I got some positive feedback about that show. Yeah. What else, Dave? So he gave me permission to uh, post one of his recent messages that has all of his contact information in it, or like his email, mm-hmm. at least. And um, so I posted that at forum.shiresociety.com. Normally, I would redact the email or whatnot. Mm. But he just said, go ahead and post it like it is if you want, and put the contact information in there, no problem. So right. He's asking people to contact him. But again, forum.shiresociety.com is where you can you can find the the post that has his, his, his information in it and a little Great. bit about his case. Yeah, definitely one worth watching. Uh, anything else, Dave, you want to share? That is all. Thank you for the call tonight. I appreciate it. Let's talk to Ricky in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Ricky. Thank you there, Brother Ian. Brother Jay, good evening. What's on your mind? Well, before I get in my topics, as uh, Dave really brought it up, I wanted to wish you the best of luck on Monday. And I would say, if I was the judge, I'd give you the appropriate sentence of one day. Well, thank you. I, I, that's very kind of you. So what were you calling no about doubt. tonight? Well, uh, concerning U.S. Senator Menendez from New Jersey... And uh, who's this? Bribery. Is this the guy that got uh, in trouble for getting uh, like taking a huge gold bribe, like half well, a million dollars you, in gold? I'll give, you, I'll give you I'll give you a brief one on it. Basically, is what it comes down to. He's uh, he's got pending bribery charges, dealings with Egypt, to, you know, for influence in New Jersey. Now, here's okay. what it is. And there he they did find that so now this is supposedly four hundred thousand dollars in cash. I believe that amounts a lie. Hmm. Also, they said gold bars, of which they said stuffed in a mattress. They didn't say the amount, but that's also probably not going to be. Uh, that's probably a lot more. Now here's the thing. The man publicly already said he's not guilty. Now I think this was a poor choice. I'm going to tell you the reason why. This is Egypt. 
It's not looking good. Now, there is personal interest because I am Ricky from the Commonwealth of the Commonwealth, Pennsylvania. Now, there is a U.S. senator, a man by the name of John Featherman, who has taken the stance that uh, that he he said that uh, Senator Menendez should resign. Now, normally, I is Menendez a Democrat? Do you know or he is, a Republican? Yeah, he is. He, he is Featherman, but here's my point. In this case, Featherman's probably, he, he is correct. And you know what? He probably, he's a new senator. He probably knows plenty. And uh, I know John Featherman's history quite well. And uh, the bad thing is here is he did the stupid thing of saying he's not guilty. And uh, the reality is it doesn't look that way. In fact, but here's, you know, what's even funny? Well, I mean, what though? senator isn't taking bribes from people? This one just got caught. Well, this one was real bad. This was actually pinned on, and they see that there was influence in New Jersey. Now, here's the funny part, though. You know who came out in his favor? Get this one. Representative Santos, who has yeah, I don't had, know who had, most uh, of these people uh, are. I mean, God, Ricky, you've been calling God, in about these him. politicians, <laughs> and they're just so boring. I you mean, know? no one cares about these people. We all know they're corrupt. They're all corrupt. Oh. They're all on the take. They're all a bunch of liars. So, what does it matter whether it's Santos or well, Menendez I mean, or Joe Schmo? I mean, they're answer. all the same. Here's my answer. Normally, I hate the "you should resign" thing, like in the case of Al Franken, he was definitely innocent. In the case of Menendez, he made a mistake by saying not guilty. Because I'm what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing for his okay, You didn't answer my question. Again. He, he looks guilty. You know, he should resign. You didn't answer my question. Between, huh? I asked you, why should anyone care about this? You keep bringing up, in the past two nights, you've been bringing up all these federal politicians. Last night it was some Republicans. Tonight it's the Democrats. And you just, you keep naming names as though any of these people matter. Well, I'm going to say why it matters. I'm going to say why it matters, because right now there is a 51-49 majority with the Democrats. That's gonna, that seat's going to be open. I'll be honest with you. I think he's so what? Well, I'm just pointing it out. I mean, I think it's terrible bribery charges. I mean, it's very rarely somebody get caught. That's the thing. He just got caught. That's the only difference between this guy and the other 99 senators. Ricky, thanks for the call tonight. I just can't take it. I can't take this politics is just so dull to me. I just thought of another reason why New Hampshire exit would be so good, don't we? We have, don't have to hear about this crap anymore? Well, those two senators from New Hampshire, I believe they're both, well, they're both bad. I know that. They've always been uh, bad. Yeah. Was it uh, Hassan, and I forget the other one's name, or not, um, is it Hassan, Maggie Hassan? Yeah, I think she's one. No, um, wait. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, Gene, yeah. Gene Shaheen's one, yeah. and is Maggie Hassan the other? I think so. I, I was listening to NPR traveling in here today, and they were mm-hmm. talking about those two, how they're you know just such wonderful commies. That's um, what they are, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So that would help out everyone else in, a, you know, in the well, country. Well, I mean, of course, the pro- <laughs> I mean, at least if we, when New Hampshire secedes, we don't have to hear about the rest of the 49 states and all their politicians, but we still have 400 state reps here in New yeah, Hampshire, yeah, yeah. so it's not like politics will be over uh, when New Hampshire secedes. It'll just be more local, and that's at least better because at least here in New Hampshire, you can meet these people, like the state representatives, the 400 state representatives. It basically breaks down to one representative for every 3,500 people. So there's a good chance that if you go to the grocery store, wherever it is that you live, you're going to run into the state representative at some point. Uh, high chance that that's going to happen. Like the one that is the uh, rep for this area lives down the street from me. So, I mean, these are not people that are, are hard to find. They're, they don't have 
uh, staff members. They don't have like there's not a secretary who's standing in between you and the state reps here in New Hampshire. When you call their phone number, they're going to answer the phone. Sometimes it's their home phone number and like their little kid answers the phone. You have to say, can you put your mom on or whatever? Uh, so they don't really have any, any meaningful staff because they only get paid a hundred dollars a year here in New Hampshire to do that job. So it's Actually, totally different. A Democrat state rep was heckled in our local little town uh, mm. grocery store uh, really? for his, you know, pro-vaccine pro-mask mandate Good. stuff he should be heckled and for that. Uh, i uh, a friend of mine uh, a local guy who I do some work with uh he he was all excited telling me about this i guess he watched this about a month ago and he, he didn't remember the girl's name but it's some woman is there a video of this or he no, saw no, it happen he, in he, person he just saw it himself nice I, I'm, I'm like oh you should have got video he's should've. like He's yeah. like, I don't even carry my phone on, on me anymore because mm-hmm. it's just not good to have it on my pocket all the time. It is good when you can get stuff like that, though, because then you take the heckling and you take it to a new level, and then you make them a YouTube star. Right. And and there's something to be said for embarrassing these people and making them feel uncomfortable for doing the things that they've done to people, the people that forced you know, mask mandates or vaccines or whatever it was they were trying to force down people's throats. There wasn't a lot of that in New Hampshire, thankfully. It wasn't great here, but it wasn't like the worst place to be. Uh, but these people need to be shamed for what they did, and they need to feel like they don't want to come back to that job. Yeah. They, uh, they're done with this. This $100 a year isn't worth it. I'm out at the end of the two-year Well, term. nobody's doing it for the money, I can assure you for that. No doubt. No, in fact, many of them spend more money on their actual campaigns and they're they're mm-hmm. going to get paid from that position. And it's not really for the power because 400 people, you don't really have a lot of power in that situation. These In a lot of cases, the people who are the state reps in New Hampshire, they really are people, whether they're right or wrong, they really are people who think they can make a difference. They mm-hmm. want to change things, what they consider to be for the better and they're willing to spend their time. In many cases, some of them are younger. It's Most of them, of course, are elderly and they're retired. But there are some young people. Uh, Jason Gerhardt is a good example of this. Yeah. He's a free stater. He's in his, I think, late 30s, maybe early 40s. Uh, he does construction for a living. So, But somehow he managed to fit in going to the state house you know, a few times a week and being a state representative. I mean, it's a lot. It's a yeah, lot to do. Especially difficult if you have kids. I don't think he does. No, but I know but, he yeah, doesn't have kids, yeah, but I know some different. state reps that have kids, and, you know, it's... That's hard. Child care is challenging. Yeah. Uh, so, coming back around to what we were talking about earlier, uh, Jay, we were talking about this town in Ireland called Greystones, where apparently a good chunk... The story starts by saying that the entire parent population got together to agree to not buy smartphones for their kids until they were in secondary school... However, later in the story, it says that more than 70% of the parents in this lady's, uh, Anja Schubert, who's lived in the town for 25 years, said she signed up. In her daughter's class, she said more than 70% of the parents signed up for this agreement to not buy a smartphone for their kids. So that's not everyone, but it's a super majority of them, and that's still a pretty significant thing. And as they were pointing out earlier... When you've got kids that have peer pressure, if the majority of their friends have these things, then they're going to want them. But if it's a small minority or none, then they're not going to have the same level of peer pressure. The the parents that are most resistant about getting their kids off the Internet devices are the ones that are heavily addicted to the Internet devices themselves. themselves. So, sure. So we're, we're seeing in America a lot of, uh, uh, I believe the term is called Hollywood dad syndrome. 
So this is where a mom is 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 uh, not letting the kid use a device, mm-hmm. and, then, and then and the, then the kid goes to dad's for the weekend, and Sunday evening through you know into Tuesday the kid's an absolute monster, mm-hmm. and there's like all kinds of videos on the internet of these moms like look at my son, my eight year old boy, he was fine on Friday, he comes home from his dad's, and what did he do with his dad's all weekend? He played internet, Call of Duty, mm-hmm. or whatever. And, and then he's jonesing when he gets back to, right, to mom's right. house. So when we come back around, I'd really like to talk why parents are leaning on these devices for babysitters and pacifiers. Yep, I want to get back in. I want to get into that. Plus, there's more here about what happened in this town, uh, which is in Ireland. It's called Greystones. Uh, we'll give you some more information about how things went, because apparently they did move forward with this. So what's it been like? Uh, and it is voluntary, so I do appreciate that about it. Uh, this is Free Talk Live. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the second hour here. Phones are open. If you want to join the show, you can. Talking about the town in Ireland where they say that every parent, and then later they admit that it was 70% of them, but a large number of the parents apparently had agreed voluntarily to not purchase a smart device for their kids up until a certain age. And we'll talk about what apparently happened or how that went. Uh, coming up here. The number, if you want to join the show, maybe you want to comment on this, maybe you've had some experience in having kids that had access to a device and then removing it and how challenging that was, or maybe you've raised, as Jay is doing with his kids, uh, children without giving them access for some number of years uh, unto those devices and you want to comment, you're welcome to join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. So the town is called Greystones. The story here is from the hyphen Sun. Dot com, and they interviewed a woman named Anja Schubert, who's lived in the town for 25 years. She says it helps because uh, it helps when other parents will agree to not buy their kids' phones because then there's not that peer pressure aspect on her daughter to want to go out and be like the Joneses. So, so, so that's super handy because, as we were saying before, if you, you know, when you go to AA, they tell you don't hang out with, with your friends that drink, don't hang out yep. with your friends that drug. So now these moms, uh, these parents that are concerned are going to be able to network with each other to help each other out. Because when you find a a whole group of people that have a a very similar core belief and value, and let me tell you, taking the stance of not using an internet device sort of puts you in a different classification. You're going to be in a minority for sure. Uh, Sort of. 
I don't think I'm really in a minority here. You don't New- think so? No. Okay. Not may, well, so I live in rural New Hampshire. Sure. I don't live in the Bronx. Right, right. Uh, or L.A. Uh, so uh, definitely not. Uh, I can tell you a lot of, um, like, our, our homeschool co-op, none of those kids are using devices. Hmm. Uh, they're just, they're not, and the parents are, are but they're also the kind of, kind of people who are investing heavily in their kids like on these your, are also homeschoolers so of course right. they care about their kids they're right. not just pawning them off on the government schools but but what it is is they're they're uh what I, I guess i could say professional moms like these are moms that are you know serious about being moms they're not trying to build a career they're not mm-hmm. you know um you know they're, they're, they're focused and they're paying attention on being moms they love their kids they they you know instinctively know what's best for their kids uh, I believe, and they're they're doing a good job, and by keeping them off the devices and out of the public schools. Uh, so the thing is, is, the first six years is like your best return on investment is when ninety percent of uh, brain development happens. So to think that you can just you know work your career, both mom and dad, drop your kids off at daycare from the time they're six or eight months old. Uh, and you know, a lot of these daycares are requiring. Oh, I shouldn't say a lot of. I've been told of one, anyways. I, I I'm aware of. They require you to have like a certain type of tablet. Like we want oh, you to wow. have this tablet that is, I don't know if it's Android, whatever, or iPhone, you know, whatever. But a specific a kind of tablet they want. They want each kid to come with. Mm-hmm. And uh, and actually, uh, one of the, uh, the yeah, babies- I think that's going to be a big problem when you're dealing with these schools. I mean, this is just a daycare, yep. but government schools have been this way for a long time, where it's been a goal. I, I can remember back into the 1990s or the early aughts where government schools were trying to get people to donate to them so they could give every kid a laptop oh, or every a, kid a tablet or whatever. There's a whole bunch of like welfare recipient families uh, that, you know, the nine-year-old, 10-year-olds, they got basically Obama phones. So they got, they got their own smartphones. Mm-hmm. They got their own phone number and they don't pay for it. It's, you know, it comes through, they, they, I was told it's an Obama phone. So according to the story here at the-son.com, you got more than 70% of the parents in her class, the daughter's class of this uh, lady, Anja, uh, signed up to the agreement to not buy a smartphone. However, once the children reach secondary school, only 5% of parents say they're willing to hold out against the tide. Greystone's mom, Karen or Caroline Nolan, signed the agreement with her two boys' infants school, St. Lawrence's. She won't be giving her sons a smartphone until they finish sixth class, which is their equivalent, I guess, of sixth grade, which is for 11 to 12-year-olds there. She says, as a family, we've spoken openly about how they wouldn't have phones until the end of sixth class going into first year, and that's something that we are quite strict about, she says. She said further, but I think collectively in the community with everyone doing it, it takes the pressure off. The story says the rise in social media has been linked to the mental health crisis facing teenagers. And NHS, that's their National Health Service there, that's the government uh, health care report last November revealed that a quarter of 17 to 19 year olds in England have a probable mental health disorder, which was up from one out of six just one year earlier. Dad Johnny Hayden told how the Greystones area was hit with two recent suicides as a result of bullies. 
and he feels the smartphone clampdown will benefit young people's mental health. In fact, of course, there's been a lot of talk over the years about how bullying has gone from real life. You know, when when you and I were growing up, maybe some people were bullied in real life. Well, now the bullies can take to Facebook and they can take to uh, online social media and continue to harass their uh, targets even when they're not even standing in front of them. When I was a kid, definitely got in the fist fights with other kids. Mm-hmm. There was bullies. Uh, there was, I remember in a little village of Thorndike, Massachusetts, we had a, you know, a little school that had, you know, first through eighth grade and the classes were like 25, you know, kids per class. And there was, you know, each, each village of town of Palmer had its own school. So there was like a whole bunch of these schools. And there was definitely kids that were, uh, being raised by just their moms. In fact, almost every single one of my can remember that was a bully and was a problem. So they were basically just kids that were bigger than us. Mm-hmm. So me and my brother, you know, when we were in third grade, we were getting our butts beat by like sixth and seventh graders. Damn. And the thing is, is we were both pretty tough kids. Uh, you know, my, my brother and I growing up because we dealt with horses and we were farming and we were mm-hmm. stacking hay and cleaning stalls and pushing wheelbarrows. And, and but when you're, you know, when you're a third grader and you're getting pounded on by sixth and seventh graders and there's a handful of them, and, you know. There's it's, only so uh, much you can do. You, you, you just basically got to take the beating mm. and, you know, watch, you know. <clears throat> so, uh, and then when you catch up with these guys and they're by themselves and you square off with them, it's a little different story. Sure. And, and uh, but, you know, we, we learned how to be tough. I don't know anybody actually from, like, we were in that, like, age group the elementary school middle school group that committed suicide uh i, when I, was I never kid. heard of that when i was a kid uh i never heard of it uh it, it didn't really happen there was some uh it i i've started hearing about suicide of kids like you know and the idea of it after i got out of high school actually mm-hmm. and it was kids that were like you know i was like oh i was getting but as a lot of this is internet bullying and people just aren't tough and, and a lot of things i've noticed i've even notice this recently, you know, you got keyboard warriors. They will just on the internet, you know, like you know, one of these guys in particular would talk trash about you all the time. Mm. Uh, and on the internet, uh, Dennis Goddard, is oh, his yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. So he came he would, to the he came to the hearing, but he was not in, in favor of uh, my side. I don't think. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> he would talk trash about you, and um, you know, at Porkfest, I'm like, so, you know. Why don't you like what's the problem with Ian Freeman? You know, and I'm, I just start giving him a hard time, and mm-hmm. he didn't want to have any part of the conversation with it. Not in real life, and not in real life. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of like sent me some messages a while, a little while later, at about I don't remember what they were about. And I'm like, yeah, I go. How come you won't say that to my face? Mm-hmm. But you know, these these people, and the same thing. It's real easy to bully these people when they become programmed to accept what's going on in this social media as like something that's valuable, you know, something that's viable, something that's real, something that's real. Yeah. And and the thing is, in real life, um, bullies get to the point to where they have to back it up. And a lot of them... Well, they are, can be made to get to that point, at least, sure. by somebody who's willing to throw down. Or, right? or, or, or by somebody who's willing to resist. And, mm-hmm. and that was the thing. I was very def- I was absolutely defiant as a child. Uh, I'm and- shocked. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were a bully and you were going to, you know, I, I would absolutely take a beating. I could take mm-hmm. a beating really well. And uh, And the thing is, all these guys that, like, bullied me... Uh, after I had, you know, gotten square with them, you know, months later, a year later, whatever, when I was a kid, 
uh, they all became my friends. You know, mm. so what, what it was is we earned You're respect. You earned the respect, yeah. And so there's no earning respect that happens in social media. Well, I mean, one of the key differences is what you're talking about. You know, when we were going uh, growing up, if somebody was going to bully you, they had to be there in front of you yeah. and try to intimidate you and use their physical physicality or whatever to get their way or not. And now on the internet, anybody can hide behind the anonymity. You may not even know who is sending you a message online. It reminds me of a story years ago, one of the, I, I don't know how long it's been, maybe a decade, about this mom who was going online and cyberbullying, as they call it, teenage girls who her daughter knew. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even somebody who was her, these kids' age. It was like a mom who was secretly doing this stuff. So, I mean, the... The cowardly bullies are now the ones that are are able to go so, out there and do their thing on the internet. Are there AI cyberbully bots? I bet there are. Wouldn't so, surprise me. So the AI is programming the children from a very early age. There's a uh, a, a report done called um, uh, "Digital Health: Children's Health in a Digital Age" by uh, NIH, uh, National Institute for Health, mm-hmm. in 2021. They reported in 2016 that. Uh, Three to nine-year-olds were using the internet seven to nine hours per day. That's a lot of time. to metadata. Now, it's only the three to nine-year-olds that are using an internet device. And also, this number was basically the same in uh, uh, 2020. This was also another study was in this uh, children's health in a digital age. If somebody can put that in a search engine or that you're listening mm. or you should really read that it's a 24 page study it's and it's very in depth 8 or 9 hours that sounds like more i mean i remember hearing about the amount of time that kids watch tv back in the day and i feel like that was only like 4 or 5 and that seemed like a lot back well, you know back also, then also tv back in the day how much tv as a kid was actually interesting that you could watch mm-hmm. because in 1985 you know, when I was or eighty six, when I was in first grade, and there was like a three, there was a day or two a week I had to go home. I couldn't go to the farm because my dad wasn't there; he was horse trading, and so we watched TV at home because mm-hmm. we lived in town. And uh, a lot of times, my grandmother was there, <clears throat> and she wasn't going to be able to chase us kids around, so we kind of had to hang out in the house. And also, we were, you know, getting a fist fights with kids around town and, and getting in trouble for that. So, uh, but. TV was kind of boring. There might be something cool on TV like, you know, MacGyver or the A-Team. But today, it's like, you know, I had to, like, explain to my daughter that the radio in the truck does not play Jingle Bells on demand. (laughs) Because she'll just, you know, she was, her favorite song's Jingle Bells. You know, that's what she wants to hear. And people are like, oh, I'll play Jingle Bells for you. And just bring it up and they play it. And uh, so, but, like, um, yeah. So today, the 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 dopamine hit is you know whatever you request, mm-hmm. and, there it is. and 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 these kids are getting it. To when we were a kid, that option wasn't there. So mm-hmm. if you were lucky enough, if your family could afford having uh, like cable, cable TV, yeah. and and I can remember that for there was a good time period we we didn't have cable TV, mm. and I I remember my stepmom being like, we need cable TV. These kids are driving me nuts. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was like, you know, kind of the pacifier. But but we had a really good offset. It was it was the farm that, yeah. you know, I was raised on. So but today when so also thirteen to nineteen year olds are using the internet device seven to nine hours a day, also according to these studies that studied the three to nine year olds. And this is from the uh, metadata of the devices uh, of the uh, apps, whatever these apps mm-hmm. are. Uh, also uh Mike Rowe, I listened to uh him uh I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. He was talking about how 
three out of five dads in America are spending more time looking at a screen than they are inter- in interacting with their children. So a lot of the problems is the parents themselves are addicted to these devices because they sure. grew up playing video games or they were you know, a lot, yeah, there's a lot of parents hard. in their 20s who had were born with high speed internet. Right. And it'll be a, you know, your kids are going to point out the hypocrisy too, right? Oh, yeah. Like if you're saying to your kids, oh, you can't use devices until you're 12 or 15 or whatever yep. the, the age is, they're going to see the parents using them and they're going to say, well, how come you get to? Yeah, it's but just I like drinking care. a beer in front of your kids or whatever. The Greystones believe that the first year of secondary school is a good age to be given a phone. One of them, uh, dads, I guess, one of the dads says, I think teenagers' social life has changed where they need a phone, but generally my rule is only get a smartphone when they go into first year. He says, I've got three girls. My youngest hasn't got a phone. She uses her mother's to play games, but she doesn't have her own phone until she's in first year, he said. Other towns in Ireland are now considering implementing a a similar policy. Natalie Coffey, who lives in a town two miles away called Kilcool, hopes to see the ban enforced in her son's school and further afield. She says, I would be delighted if it was brought in that area now. It makes it the same for everybody, so there's no real conversation about it. It's just done across all levels. I think it's a great idea. And again, if it's done on a voluntary basis, I think that it's fine. That makes total sense to me if parents can come together and agree voluntarily to do this. But, of course, then you get the politician coming in here, uh, Mary Sirikerni. She said the collaboration should be a model for a wider rollout across the country. She said by coming together, parents, teachers, and principals devised and introduced this code, which means all children in the area who attend the same schools won't experience the dreaded fear of missing out by not having a phone or tablet as none of their classes uh, classmates will either plenty of other countries have already taken the lead france banned classroom phones in 2018 italy did so last year while holland and finland brought in similar restrictions last year as well one graystone mom admitted to being divided about restricting mobile phone use she says in a way smartphones are ruining children's lives it can be good and it can be bad but if children are being left out or they feel excluded by classmates it can be amplified by the phone and them feeling so alone at times. So this this dad who says that he will let his daughters use you know the phone in primary school. I'm gonna guess that primary school is what well, uh, secondary school. school is yeah. middle school. So how old would you be in middle school? Like twelve or secondary school is is uh, the middle school. I think. Yeah, they said earlier like sixth grade. Uh, they, what they describe as sixth class, which okay. sounds like sixth grade, is for eleven to twelve year olds. And right. that's where only 5% of parents are willing to so, hold out so one, uh, and not get the phones. So one of the slideshows that I'm uh, presenting, lecture slideshows that I'm preparing is pretty much uh, a lot of detail on exactly why we don't want, uh, you know, near to prepubescent girls or pubescent girls using social media. We don't want 11, 12, 13, 14-year-old girls social using social media. Also, I'm gonna, I have another slideshow I'm putting together on why we don't want the boys using social media because it's, it's actually two very different reasons uh, because uh, and, and it has, um, you know, uh, an outcome of, you know, these girls uh, wanting to, you know, get cosmetic surgery so they can look like That's the, bad the Snapchat filter. It's, mm-hmm. it's that they, they, they are looking for the validation from this, you know, a bunch of people that they'll never meet face to face. So that's another thing too. If, if, if you can, 
you know, insult somebody that you'll never look into their eyes. You'll never, you know, have the opportunity to, to rub shoulders with them or, or, or bounce into them. Uh, then you, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster, especially when you're of that young developmental and hormonal mindset. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of hormones coming into play. Uh, and then also you have the gender dysphoria, which, you know, as far as I'm concerned, gender dysphoria is fixed by puberty. But when you have all of this indoctrination being put through the devices, through, you know, all of this grooming that's happening in social media to where you have these groups of people like, oh, well, maybe you're a boy. And, oh, and, 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 uh, and you should, you should cut off all your hair. And then the girl cuts off all her hair and the people in the, in, in the social groups are like, wow, you look amazing. Oh yeah. That's so awesome. You look so good as a dude. Uh, you know, so this is like a lot of the grooming that is happening in, in, in social media with, you know, the girls and the boys and, mm. and it's, and it's very confusing and it's a confusing time. To be a teenager? It's a, especially for, like, girls. Another big thing, too, is, like, in this country, which which is uh, very sad, is, like, so, so girls are going to get to a point in their, in their life where they're going to start menstruating. And it is so, sort of seen in America as, you know, the menstruation as this, like, you know, yucky, disgusting thing. You shouldn't talk about it. And, like, in a Mexican, like, a, a lot of our South American cultures, uh you know, it's like a rite of, it's celebrated right of as a rite of passage. Mm-hmm. Now you're a woman and now mm-hmm. you have, you know, this responsibility. And now, you know, this means that you can, basically it means you can be a mom is really, you know, the bottom line that you can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And so when there is, um, I do remember uh, growing up, uh, a lot of girls, my like peer group when I was a you know, teenager were like horrified that they were going to get a period. Hmm. Uh, they were scared about this. They they weren't prepared for it. It was seen as something that was really like not you know um, uh, difficult mm-hmm. and and it's part of nature. Uh, so you know th- there's a lot of issues with uh, basically allowing the AI, uh, big tech, uh, whatever you want to call it, these people that have extreme power. You know, and the problem is the algorithm just knows so much about you. Well, they found, Jay, and I don't know if you were on the show and we talked about this in the past, but somebody analyzed the algorithmic results uh, when they signed up as a teenager. So they, like, it, it was an adult who was running a, a test on, tic, I think it was TikTok, but they told the app that they were a teenage girl or boy or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And I think they did both. And, uh, you know, living in the United States, gave them the basic info to sign up for an account. And they just wanted to see what is this app going to feed me, right? Because they, the app tries to learn about you, but as the default, without having given it any information beyond just your age and where you're located, what sort of things were you going to get? And they said that there was a, it seemed like there was a focus on like, bulimia and uh you know puking right like uh, trying to uh eat and then barf it up that kind of thing like for for girls and like a lot of these sort of unhealthy body uh views that you probably don't want your daughters adopting right uh, things like that were being pushed by by the algorithm when when a young girl is starting to go through puberty she's she's gonna put some fat on in places in her body preparing Mm -hmm. her for pregnancy and so the when the girls start to see that their pants don't fit them right anymore or, uh, you know, or their arms are bigger and, you know, or whatever, they're like certain things that they don't want. You know, they're, oh, my thighs are, are, are you know, are too big. I got fat thighs. You know, mm-hmm. this is a, 
This is a, a an image issue for them. And then you have, let's just use, for example, uh, who makes profit off of young girls um, lacking self-esteem? Uh, you know, the, the, the uh, cosmetic companies, right? Psychiatrists. Psychiatrists, a pharmaceutical industrial complex. I mean, you know, there's probably a pill for that, <laughs> right? So, so the, the, there's a big interest. And we know with, you know, this, the, the COVID round, all the money that was made off of COVID, and it wouldn't have been possible without the algorithm. It wouldn't have been possible without, you know, the big tech and the media, you know, pushing the whole COVID narrative for Yeah, but Jay, they're going to say happen. the politicians will come to the rescue. The politicians will just ban TikTok, and that'll solve this problem. You can't ban anything they? on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like saying they're going to ban drugs. They've been doing that my whole life. Well, right. And even if they <laughs> ban TikTok, TikTok is just one platform. It's yep. one place, and there are probably a dozen others. If they they haven't found it already, there's going to be one that pops up th- yep. that they're going to move over to. And as you push uh, social matter. media underground, just like buying illegal drugs is all black market and underground. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the most dangerous place to. You don't know what you're getting. You don't. You if don't you know think it's bad it now, oh, if you think it's bad now, if right. you make it illegal, make it only black market available yeah. to these kids, then it's going to be some really dangerous yes. content. Uh, the number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty, which is why. It makes the most sense for parents to make these decisions rather than governments coming in and trying to force them down all parents' throats. Uh, let's let different parents try different approaches, and we'll see whose kids turn out the best. The number is 603-283-6160. Got more coming up. You can share your thoughts. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. It's 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online as well. Head over to freetalklive.com and enjoy the features we have there for you. Also, our very own co-host, Mark Edge, is going to be appearing in Prague in just a few couple weeks from now, October 14th and 15th. It's going to be the Liberty in Our Lifetime Conference. You've heard Mark on the air talking about uh, some of these uh, projects all around the planet, including Honduras, Germany, Norway, and apparently some in the United States, uh, where they're going to be creating these free cities, self-governing territories that uphold individual rights and freedoms. So representatives from the different projects are going to be joining and sharing updates on their progress and explain why you should consider moving to or doing business in a free city. Wasn't a similar thing done on this land in like 1776 or something? (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, these are definitely some of the people who are on the frontier. I mean, these are people who are on the frontier of human uh, freedom, and they're doing some really interesting stuff. So you want to meet some of these people. They're going to be in Prague October 14th and 15th. You can go to libertyinourlifetime.org to learn more about the conference. There is a discount code, which may or may not still work. I'm not sure if it's uh, it's probably getting too close to the event, but you can try it. Code FTL. You might save 10%. Uh, And again, join Mark. He's going to be speaking there this year at the conference. Once again, libertyinourlifetime.org. Mark your calendar for October 14th and 15th in Prague. As we continue here, we were talking about a town in Ireland. If I could, if I could add on to something, so liberty in our lifetime. uh, A lot of the the basically the biggest reason behind this push that I'm having for investing in our posterity and putting this uh, Mm -hmm. slideshow stuff together and his lectures is because I believe that's how we're going to first off get liberty in our lifetime. Uh, I, I think if I started, you know, working on this 25 years ago, which I could have presented it 25 years ago, I just didn't have all the information or realize, you know, well, I didn't have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, yeah, I, I, that's another thing. I believe uh, kids, having kids furthers brain development in both men and women. So definitely I've had a lot of, you know, uh, <clears throat> thoughts about things and ideas and brain development since I've been a dad. You sure. know, and so has my wife. So and, and and a lot of people tell you that that have kids, especially ones that are involved in you know raising their kids. So I believe that how we're going to get liberty in our lifetime and maintain liberty through the generations is by vigilantly vigilantly investing in our posterity, so our children, our posterity, are not dependent on government. And I be- believe the one of the biggest keys, possibly the biggest factor, is competence. Competent people don't need government. And you're not going to have competence unless you have confidence. Mm-hmm. And building confidence needs to start like, you know, I mean, I've literally started building. I watch a confidence in my kids at like eight months old, nine months old when it started being there. You know, and that's with feeding the chickens and collecting the chicken eggs because we were just, you know, they're just doing whatever, uh, whatever I was doing with them. And I spend a lot of time with them just doing whatever the kids can handle. And so competent people don't need government. People who lack competence are going to beg for government because they feel they're not able to take care of themselves. And it starts at a very young age. I mean, because one of the things we've criticized for years here on Free Talk Live is this concept of the helicopter parent. Yeah. Uh, The parent that is always hovering. They're ready to catch you before you fall. They're strapping all the, you know, helmets and the knee pads and the, you know, got to round off all the corners, make sure the kids can't, you know, bump into anything. They might get a boo-boo or whatever. This type of parent that is always constantly worried and worrying, that transfers over to those kids in a very, very destructive manner. And that is the opposite of a parent that is creating confidence. That's a parent that's creating fear, uh, that is uh, inculcating their children with the fear that something could always go wrong or that there's something that's going to hurt them around the corner. And that's just such a huge difference in parenting techniques. I think it's really important what and, you're talking and, about. And uh, so, and that's a big thing in this country. You see a lot more of the helicopter parents in the, uh, you know, the more densely populated, you know, city areas, yeah, you know, the the suburbs. And you see a way lot less of it when you get into rural America and, and the mountain country and mm-hmm. farm country. Uh, but a lot of the people, you know, are that are not in the cities or are living in, especially if you live in, if you live outside a, a, a city in New Hampshire, you probably, you know, split firewood. 
you probably put firewood in a stove if you live outside of a city. You probably have a four-wheel drive truck. You, you probably snowblow or at least shovel or plow your own driveway to where people, a lot of people living in condos never do any of that stuff, and their kids don't learn about any of mm-hmm. those things. So, like, the resilience, you know, isn't even, you know, there to begin with. So there's a related story here, Jay, and we can get into it coming up here in a moment. But since we're talking about uh, was the story that we started the show with was in Ireland, a uh, town in Ireland that uh, parents had voluntarily agreed to not buy their kids smartphones until essentially middle school. Uh, apparently, Arkansas had a law that was blocking children from accessing social media. And we'll talk about that and what happened to it in a moment. But Major Payne is on the line in Michigan. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead, Major. Hey, guys. Yeah, you were talking about helicopter parents. Yeah. I heard something that was just so beyond belief that I have to call and tell you. This was probably a couple months ago. Okay. The helicopter parents thing has spread so far that uh, parents are calling their bosses and arranging job interviews and uh, carrying it to the extremes of if the kid gets hired and there's discrepancies in the job situation, the parent will come in and try to uh, manipulate or referee the situation. And uh, it, it's, it's gone to such extremes that parents are sitting in on conferences and whatnot. I've heard about this. I mean, Actually, this is not new. Uh, this came up, I don't know, 15 years ago, whenever it was we first started talking about helicopter parents they were known for trying to go to a job interview with their uh, teenage son or daughter or whatever or going to college uh with them and you know getting their college room all set up and then just kind of hanging around for a while or you know calling up their teacher if something wasn't going right in class and just basically taking care of whatever the things would be that their young person as they were growing up should be in encountering themselves that they should be dealing with themselves i mean it's one thing to go to your parents and ask for advice considering they have more experience than you on a thing it's a whole other thing to have the parent just step in and say i'll handle this son and then they do your job interview for you I and mean, where did you hear about this major do you know of a specific example of this happening because this has been a helicopter parent you know thing for some time as i understand it no, I, I I don't work in uh, you know bureaucratic circles. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm I'm a lone wolf. I do construction, and I think it was Peakless one time asked me if I owned a, a red and black plaid shirt, and I said <laughs> I think anybody that's ever swung an axe has one of those. <laughs> you know, I got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so you were just telling us a story of something you kind of heard through the rumor mill. You hadn't actually, you're not aware of anyone that's actually had this no, particular no, experience. No, I've not experienced the, uh, yeah. the 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 syndrome. I mean, damn, what kind of airport do you have to hang out at to deal with helicopter parents? I know a lot of pilots. I mean, I can fit into the yacht club or any place else, but good god almighty yep it's a thing this world coming to we cannot let our children confront anything on their own right well i mean that's how you build you're talking about earlier confidence jay and how important it is for not just any anybody but especially kids to develop that and one of the ways you develop that is by having to learn things the hard way and figuring them out by making mistakes 
and coming back and trying it again. And if your parents are there to tell you they're going to step in and handle everything for you, then you never even have a chance to fail in the first place. Yeah, I mean, look yeah, at uh, Hunter Biden. To, <laughs> if you don't learn how to solve problems, you will continually have nothing but problems. Mm. Well said, Major. Thank you for the call tonight. I, I appreciate it. Uh, the number here, if you want to join the show, maybe you've got an example of helicopter parenting. Maybe you, you know, you've uh, worked at a school or in a, a job situation. You, the human resources department, and you were shocked as you know some fifty-year-old parent walks through the door with their sixteen-year-old teenager trying to get their first job, and they're trying to answer all the questions for them. I mean, it's just or, ridiculous. Or you're in such a powerful position, like you're a senator of Delaware, for you know, basically, you know. You, Hunter Biden's whole life, his father has been a very powerful career mm-hmm. politician. So yep. l- l- look what Hunter Biden turned out to be. Crack smoker. You know, th- did Hunter Biden have Loser. any struggle ever? You know, probably like not. Like no. He probably got whatever he wanted. I-, I also know of, for example, some kids I grew up with that their fathers were. Uh, one-, one guy, his dad was a state trooper. And this guy got off on DUIs quite a bit. The son. The son. Okay. He always I got out of him. I believe it. And, just drop daddy's yeah, name. Well, or whatever. And, yeah. and, you know, and it's like, and, and instead of his dad just letting him, you know, uh, you know, sit in, a, sit in a jail until Monday morning, not, you know, yeah. bailing him out because he was, you know, young man and, you know, driving hammered. Uh, it was, in, you know, but you see this with, you know, uh, powerful lawyers, powerful politicians, anybody who's politically con- connected, yep. their kids usually turn out pretty bad. Because they, they are able to get away with things. Then you, you get at the way at the top of the food chain. And we can say in politics, the Biden crime family is at the top of the food chain. Uh, just like the Clinton crime, crime family is at the top, top of the food chain. Uh, and you look at, um, you know, just you know Hunter Biden. He's a crackhead. He's got prostitutes. He's got, you know, young girls. Uh, you know, all the things like, you know, uh, that you don't want your kids to turn out. And, and this guy had more opportunity than basically anybody but because he never had to work for it didn't have to struggle for it i, I bet you he didn't have to pay for his first car i bet you he didn't have to pay for car insurance and um you know uh that's just, just what happens just looked up a helicopter parent here just to see if it was you know what's in the news about helicopter parents and a story from the hyphen sun.com uh, same same actual website we were talking about earlier uh, it says children who are allowed to take risks when they play may be more likely to hit exercise targets and stay in shape. So it turns out helicopter parents, kids are out of shape uh, by comparison to others. Only about half of British youngsters are active for the recommended hour per day. Half what, of only, them. only an hour per day? That's, yeah, that's what the government apparently is saying. While a growing number are overweight surprise and at risk of health problems like type 2 diabetes data from 645 parents in australia found children were more active if mother and father let them take risks like climbing trees yeah or riding bicycles helicopter parents those who are always hovering around their children are overprotective were more likely to have unfit kids it's understandable, said a, uh, the lead author of the study from Coventry University, that parents want to protect their child, but the balance can tip too far. Adventurous play can help improve a child's fitness, cognitive function, and mental well-being, and it's also more fun. The study shows parents with a relaxed attitude towards risky play have children who are more likely to be getting the recommended amount of daily exercise. I'll tell you what, you want to fall out of the tree and break your arm 
as young as possible. Don't do it when you're an adult <laughs> because you bounce back quick when you're a kid and you'll learn your limitations. Mm. And, and a lot of times, you know, I, so I didn't have to fall out of the tree to know I didn't want to fall out of the tree. Well, so like, you know, I can remember uh, so one of my cousins that de- definitely had a hover mop. Oh, boy. And I remember uh, we were climbing trees and he basically didn't really start climbing trees till he was about till he's got away from his mop. Sure. So we're about 12 years she old. She wouldn't allow it. Right. And so I climb up a tree and I basically had a, I don't ever remember falling out of the tree, but we were in I, in tree. I'm sure I fell out of a tree. You have to. It's like riding a horse. I don't remember every time I fell off a horse, but I definitely fell off horses a lot. Yep. And, but like, remember my cousin, he climbs a tree and he climbs way up there and he climbs to the point to where the tree like can't support him. Uh-oh. Didn't and, know, and, uh, yeah. and and he came down. The tree broke. He came Oof. down, hit hit a couple branches, and went in the ground, and uh, uh, hit, hit the ground. And he he did get a I forgot what some I think his arm broke. I don't fracture. remember. Oh, he man. definitely he had a cast a few days later. Uh, next time I saw him, uh, but uh, you know, and the mother was like, "I told you to never yeah. go in trees," and blah blah blah. And and I can remember my dad was like, "I told you to let him climb darn trees," mm. <laughs> you know, for years now. I can remember uh, going to his birthday was party. Your dad's sister. Uh, was was my dad's brother. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. but this, you know, so his mom. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, um, the uh, uh how, how did this? I can remember going to one of his birthday parties, and it was at his grandmother's house, my cousin's grandmother's house. Is so. this after the tree incident? No, this was party? like before. before. Okay. And so, me and my brother Josh were like in this tree. It's like mm-hmm. a perfect tree to climb. And it was like, yeah, we're gonna climb this thing. Sure. And oh man, do we get screamed at and, hauled oh, and all wow. kind of by 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 our aunt. Our, my, our aunt went crazy. Um, and you know, you know, and, you get down here, yeah, yeah. Right? And she was like, <laughs> and my dad's like, my dad's like, well, you got to respect, uh, you got to respect your aunt's property. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, don't climb her tree. <laughs> and then, you Go know. climb that one across the street. <laughs> we, I, yeah, we just, yeah, uh, we, we weren't interested in hanging out there that much as I kids, bet. you know, I bet. but, uh, but yeah, definitely. I was like my cousin. He just took it to the limit. It was the first time he could like really climb a tree. And he was like, yeah, yeah. you know, he was in good shape and he did a little bit of karate. And, you know, mom was at every karate practice and every karate event. And, so you know, karate was okay, but tree climbing, no. Well, she was kind of like limited about like what he would do in karate. I, can I remember see. him and I remember the, there was a uh, something to do with one of our senseis. I can't remember the guy's name, but we were in the same mm-hmm. karate class. Mm-hmm. Gr- grandma uh, judo class it was. That's okay. what it was. Judo, which is basically like teaching lots of self-defense, te- teaching yeah. you how to fall, how to take a punch. It's really, and that's what it was. We wanted, uh, uh, so we, judo, we were in judo for a little while, but we wanted to do, I don't know, Aikido, Taekwondo, one of these other things where it's more of like going to kick some butt. Okay. And, uh, and, and, and the aunt, uh, I'm talking about was like no, <laughs> but uh, anyways, he ended up doing. He actually actually did pretty good in like uh, when he was like a 15, 16 year old kid. He he actually won a lot of like martial arts competitions. My cousin, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I remember the tree thing. You know, first time he climbed a tree, man, he was up that tree. We were like, uh-uh. I was like, you can't do that, man. <laughs> so I got a shocking statistic here, or maybe it won't be shocking for you. This is, again, a study done in the UK, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's very similar here in the United States. A lot of times when you compare yeah. the populations between the two, they're very, very similar. The study was done in the uh, Journal of Psychology and Sport and Exercise, found most parents, <clears throat> a supermajority of them, qualify as nervous. 78% describe themselves as risk averse. 
78%, almost 8 out of 10 uh, parents would describe themselves as risk-averse. Yep, I see that um, in like a lot of these kids who are on internet devices. Uh, they don't want to do things that require responsibility. Like uh, I um, know of another kid, he's 14 now, but uh, he basically didn't want to run the tractor. Because he didn't want the responsibility, I'm like, I'm like, this tractor is heavy, so you can't. If you if you smash into something, you're gonna hurt it. Mm-hmm. And if you hit somebody, you're gonna hurt them or kill them. Uh, so you know, just pay attention, be careful. He's like, nope, I don't want to do it. Hmm. Just he d- didn't want the responsibility. And I was, I was, you know, it's out and it's on a farm, and there's not much to really injure or hurt. But I just want to be aware of it. And then the homeschool kids are like, yeah, cool, I got it, let's do it. He's like, how old yeah. are these kids? Like seven or eight? Or um, ten. Well, t- uh, ten-year-olds. Yeah, I've let nine-year-old run a tractor. Mm-hmm. Um, she did a good job. Uh, and it's not rocket science, right? No, no. Point the thing in the simple, right direction. It's an easy tractor. It's got yeah. an automatic transmission. Yeah, it, and uh, but the the kid had actually had no problem driving a tractor, and he was doing good at it. And the fourteen-year-old. Yeah, and, and well, he's fourteen now. I think he was twelve at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he but he was like, as soon as I explained to him what kind of damage you could do with this thing. Um, he just, he, he, he literally just stopped and said, I don't want to drive anymore. Wow. Yeah. And he was doing wow. a good job. If you want to comment here on uh, helicopter parenting, you can join us. The number is 603-283-6160, especially if you've experienced something in real life, you know, somebody who is doing this, who is being, uh, the helicopter parent. There was another story about like how signs to tell if you're a helicopter parent and how to stop. And yeah, it would be a good thing uh, for people to realize that they're doing this and then try to avoid being like this. Try to be more of the free range parent. I got to say, I really like the free range kids uh, concept. The Lenore Skenazy is her name. We've had her on the show. She was the woman who she lives or maybe maybe she's moved out. I hope she's moved out by now, but she was in New York City and she was letting her kid go home from school by taking the public subway or bus or whatever, you know, some sort of public transportation. And she was excoriated in the media. She was called the world's worst mother for allowing her, I think at the time, eight or 10 year old son to just simply take the bus home or the, uh, the subway home. And people were saying, Oh, you, you can't let your son do this. This is too dangerous. And she got a name for herself and she ended up starting this uh, free range kids blog. If you haven't checked it out, Jay, I'm sure you'd really enjoy I, it. I, I've heard of it. Uh, so a little commentary on you know letting your kids kind of like walk home in the city. Yep. So Hartford, Connecticut, there's a place they do business with. If anybody's around there uh, wants to check it out or even donate to them, it's called Ebony Horse Women. And what it is is an inner city riding program, and it's on some city land on on the very west side of Hartford. Great program. Uh, it's on Vine Street. So, like, the northwest end of Hartford is, like, hardcore ghetto. Well, I haven't been there in, like, eight years, but it's definitely hardcore ghetto. Guns being shot, you know, um, a, a, a lot of drugs, a lot of police activity. And there was a kid that, so I'd bring, I'd sell hay to these guys. And uh, there was a there was a kid, he was, he was, like, 11 or 10. And there was a couple of them. And, they're, and they were telling me where they live. And so I'm like, oh, that's over by the highway. Like, I drive by there. I'm like, yeah, it was so that's like a 15 minute drive. That's a you know, 20 minute drive. If you know, if you have no traffic and, and, and in case like, Oh yeah, it, you know, it takes me like 30 minutes to walk here and blah, blah. And I walk and, and uh, it was like, um, it was winter time and we were stacking hay and I'm like, Oh, you're going to be go- okay going home in the dark. And it was like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be fine. He says kids mm-hmm. like 11. And, uh, okay. 
So uh, I so I say to the guy, one of the guys that runs the place, one of the adults, and he's got a handful of kids himself. And I go, uh, that's a rough neighborhood. He goes, if anybody touch one of these kids, he says, the people in his neighborhood, the, the, they would kill him hmm. immediately. Hmm. He says, uh, in the ghetto, the kids are watched. Uh, and uh, like he was talking about, like this particular like ghetto area. There's yep. so, so essentially, there's not really any law when you got a bunch of thugs running the place anyways. And a lot of these thugs have kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, they may not be like... Um, you know, um, excellent dads. I don't know what they are. You know, I don't know what yeah, these sure. people, but uh, they don't tolerate that stuff. It's kind of like in New York City. There uh, years ago, there was these uh, couple of criminals who raped a, a couple of nuns, mm. and they turned themselves into the police because the mafia guys were just going to they were going to they were going to execute yeah. them immediately. Yeah. So that's kind of what would happen in those neighborhoods if somebody was if and and if anybody's su- suspected of being a pedo, um, they'll probably just get shot instantly. Is you know what happens in these sort of rough areas? Of course, it's a place you can't own a gun, but you know every third guy's got they a gun. got them. <laughs> Uh, MSN.com, the Washington Post on Arkansas, where a federal judge recently ruled that uh, temporarily blocking an Arkansas law forcing social media companies to verify users' ages and requiring that minors get parental consent in order to set up an account. Tech industry trade group NetChoice sued in uh, June to strike down the state law as unconstitutional, arguing it violated users' First Amendment rights and imposed onerous obligations on digital platforms. In granting their request for the preliminary injunction against the law, the U.S. District Court Judge Timothy Brooks expressed deep reservations about its constitutionality and its efficacy. He said the law is, quote, not targeted to address the harms it has identified, and further research is necessary before the state may begin to construct a regulation that is narrowly tailored to address the harms that minors face due to prolonged use of certain social media. The law was originally supposed to uh, take effect that uh, has now been prohibited from taking effect. It marks the latest in a bevy of attempts at the state level to restrict or ban minors' access to social media over concerns that the platforms exacerbate mental health issues for younger users. I believe the state is a reason that parents are leaning so hard on internet devices as babysitters and pacifiers for a multitude of reasons. Okay, give me one or two so, or whatever. So, uh, who's using uh, uh, these internet devices most as pacifiers and babysitters is uh, uh, single moms, mm-hmm. uh, even single dads, uh, addicted parents, whether they're addicted to drugs, they want the kids to leave them alone, whether they're addicted to watching sports ball and drinking beer every night, they want the kids to leave them alone, go watch your own thing. Sure. Go, you know, this is why, you know, all these kids got TVs in their bedrooms now. Um, you know, uh, financially struggling parents, uh, very career minded parents that are dropping the kids off at, you know, um, uh, daycare and then sending them right to school. Uh, and then when, you know, they're getting home they're they want to be, they need someone to leave them alone. They want to be left alone. They want, you know, the kids not bugging them. They're on a device themselves because they're working at home maybe. But how does um, the state tie into that? I want you to explain that coming up here yes. in, uh, in a moment. The number is 603-283-6160. And is passing a law, is the state going to be the solution to the problem they may have created or helped to create? I don't think so. Hour 3 is coming up here. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you 
here tonight. We've got Ian and Jay. And we've been talking tonight about the the challenges, I guess, of social media, especially for young people. And we had a story in the beginning of the show about a uh, an Irish town where the parents agreed on a voluntary basis to not purchase smartphones for their kids. Now, I don't know if that means that they aren't allowed to use, you know, like one, I think one dad in the story said that his daughter or whatever uses his phone or his mom's phone or something like that on occasion. Uh, but, you know, they don't own their own. They don't, they have not purchased and are not going to purchase one for their child until they reach the age of middle school age, basically. So that was kind of an interesting story. They're, they're essentially saying this is a good thing. You know, kids are getting out more often. They're engaging with other children more often, which of course is one of the really, I think, deleterious side effects of young people having these phones is they turn within, you know, even though the big promise of social media is that you'll be more social. I think the biggest outcome, it's true. The biggest side effect is you're creating an algorithmic slave for life. And the way that happens is so the way, especially with the kids under six years old, 90% 90% of brain development happens under six years old. The frontal lobe makes its neurological mm. pathways to the brain. And the part of the brain that should be sti- being stimulated, the sensory region of the brain, uh, but, you know, by crawling around in the grass and playing outside and interacting. And yep. I mean, for only one hour a day, that's ludicrous. I mean, my that's kids what they were saying quite, in the UK yeah. Yeah, are quite literally outside like seven hours a day mm-hmm. you know but we're like one hour is the bare minimum to not have a heart attack or something you know <laughs> yeah so anyway uh, seven have a heart attack so but like what is so if you're stimulating the addiction part of the brain the part of the brain that likes cocaine and opiates which mm-hmm. is the same part of the brain the internet device uh uh stimulates you're doing that the neurological pathways from the frontal lobe are being made to the addiction part of the brain that same exact region of the brain is a is part of the brain that is excited uh with rage fear mm. um pornography excites it so uh when the um and what happens is that is making those neurological pathways are, are basically being made permanently from the frontal lobe to a certain part of the brain so where a toddler and a and a and a um you know basically a toddler uh and a, and a young child uh should be making the neurological pathways uh connection between the frontal lobe and the sensory part of the brain the the, the brain that is you know feeling touching tasting smelling things like that um you know that is receiving all those senses and what i believe happens uh, has happened and we see this now is we have a whole bunch of young people in this all around the world the examples are everywhere when you ask them a simple question they default to rage because mm. the frontal lobe is the part of the brain that is logic and reasoning. And when they need to use logic and reasoning because of neurological pathways have been made to this addiction part of the brain, the part of the brain that when stimulated by the frontal lobe turns on essentially the rage part of the brain. Uh, you, 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 and, and usually the, the outcome is like you, you just start asking people, kids at a college campus, you know, uh, if they can explain how there's more than two genders and they just tell you you're a racist. You know, you got these videos of people because, you know, um, you, uh, you know, uh, you know, Ben Shapiro and Matt Walsh are always, you know, talking to these, you know, making these talks at these colleges. So there's always like these YouTube clips of like these unhinged, the protesters, you know, people yeah. in these colleges that, you know, usually have a funky hair color or something or they're mm-hmm. some kind of, you know, trans or whatever. And you can just tell they have no ability to engage in logic or reasoning mm-hmm. and, and, and because they can't answer these questions 
especially when you challenge a narrative that's been the algorithm has forced down their throat. That's why, you know, who's going to win in le- next election? Whoever the algorithm tells its slaves mm. to vote for. Because we have basically a whole generation of people now that are our algorithmic slaves. They yeah. just follow what the, the algorithm tells them. They don't, you know, and the thing is. And if is, you're, you're saying if they're under the age of six, it gets locked in. Right. right? It really gets That's locked like in. That's like where the brain is developing and these habits of the dopamine or serotonin yep. or whatever addictions get almost, you can't undo it. Oh, yeah, right? pretty much. So the the the, uh, the dopamine hit that the kids get before they're six and seven years old, uh, whether they earn it or get it for free. So let's try to let's incentivize our kids to earn it. Let's work hard so our kids earn that. Uh, stay at home with your kids. Somebody needs to stay at home with the kids, mom or dad. You both can't be going to work and just letting somebody else take mm-hmm. care of them. Uh, so th- whatever dopamine hit they get, they're going to chase that for the rest of their life. So like a lot of these guys that I'm dealing with that, you know, I'm buying cows from and getting hay from, like, I can only think of one guy that's like under 70. One. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually two. One guy's like 58. I asked him that the other day. And another guy's this young man. He's 34 years old. But the 34-year-old kid, um, uh, he is, uh, he grew up on a dairy farm. Mm-hmm. You know, he grew up doing this stuff. He loves it. That's what he did as a kid. And, you know, he's like 10 years younger than me, and he's got his own dairy now. And he works two jobs so he can have his own dairy. And he loves doing it. And, you know, and he makes hay. And, um, and he's, uh, you know, he's got a really good thing going for him. Uh, but, like, uh, you know, there's just not that desire to work hard. This is why the average American farmer is in his mid-70s. And that's, that's a serious problem. That's a problem, yeah. For Big sure. problem. Uh, people got to eat. And somebody's right. got to grow that food. You know, um, I'm kind of like, I really enjoy a lot of the things you say about this stuff, Jay. You are a parent. You're really putting this stuff to 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 work with your kids. They're what, one in three right now? Uh, two, and right? Three. Two, two and three. Two uh, and three. And it's clearly having a, a positive effect from what I can tell. Uh, so I think there's really something to it. On the other side, we do live in a technological world right yep. now. Uh, I mean, you've got a smartphone. Yep. I mean, it is part and parcel of a lot of our reality uh, when I was growing up, my dad wasn't a farmer. He was a tech guy, right? He re- he repaired, you know, in the 80s or whatever, he would have repaired your VCR or something okay. like that, right? You'd get your stereos on the fritz, you'd bring it into his hi-fi repair shop, and he would be able to fix that thing up and give it back to you. Um, Is that how you learned how to solder stuff when you were a kid? Did you do any of that? Certainly, with your, yeah. He yep. taught me how to do that. Yeah. Cool. Um, I never learned the, like, details of resistors and capacitors or whatever, so I can't do that that particular work. But after, um, you know, maybe about a decade of doing that, he got into computers and he was working at a computer store and doing different types of things with uh, with those. So we always had a computer in my home, probably from maybe age, you know, eight on, essentially. So I get where I get where you're coming from with really young kids shouldn't be on these devices. That makes a lot of sense to me. I don't think that there's a need to completely prohibit electronic device access there's there's some value to being able to use a computer at a younger age especially if you actually understand what's going on with those things i mean so there's a big difference between like an lcd screen on a tablet and a smartphone mm -hmm. so those are like in the same classification versus a computer screen and a keyboard you think so absolutely um well because the uh so the tablet uh, for, well, the um, sort of depending on what monitor I guess you're using on mm-hmm. the uh, com- computer could be sort of like the tablet, but like the tablet and the, and the smartphones, 
uh, the way the uh, frequencies are engineered, just the actual projection of it is mm. like super pleasing and amusing. Like, for example, I do let my kids watch some shows. Hmm. And we watch a couple, watch some cartoons. But you watch, watch them together. Well, we watch right? them together, mm-hmm. right? We, you know, I don't like, you know, go to work and let, yeah, put my not kids the in front of us. Right. But we watch them together. We talk about them. We enter, you know, and and it's not every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a couple times a week. And, and we use a projection monitor, a digital projector mm-hmm. onto a wall. So we're not getting that blue light. And also it's on a wall. So actually the, the TV screen the kids are watching is like 12, 14 foot away. Sure, uh, that's a completely different experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, now, if you have a computer, like I was talking to Chris from Think Penguin, I'm like, so I do want my kids to learn some computer skills. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we do this without it, without the computer, the AI getting the attention? Yeah, that, that's my problem. Google getting their attention. Right. Google feeding them the stuff, just like what you said with the guy who did the experiment. You know, as a teenage boy on some social media or a teenage girl. So, uh, and Chris. You know, he, Chris Wade, who he's like, well, he's, there's, there's programs you could, you know, put on and the computer doesn't have to be hooked up to the internet. Sure, like a typing tutor or yeah, something yeah. like that, and right? so the, the, We he, did that as a kid. Yeah, so, uh, and when I was in 1986, my parents bought a Tandy TD-1000. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I played Test Drive on it. Oh, and yeah. I and, and I used Test Drive on a keyboard. You, you know, right key uh-huh. to steer right and, yeah. you, know, and you know. I and, played Test Drive. That yeah, was a great so game. So I played Test Drive and... Uh, and, you know, that was an old, like, I don't know, you know, monitor that weighed 100 pounds or something mm-hmm. sitting out there. And, uh, but like the, the, uh, the you know, and, and the thing is, is, is as long as we can, the, the whole purpose is we got to think back to earning the dopamine hit, not getting it for free. Mm. Uh, so like, you know, I, and I, and I did play like some Zelda, I remember, yeah. and Mario Brothers on, you know, Nintendo. Now, me, that was like a kind of a rainy day thing. Sure. Where we were stuck at home with grandma or something. Uh, because yeah, you weren't I, on it for eight hours a day. I, no, not at all. Probably never played it. I, I don't know. My brother would definitely pay it more than me. Yeah. But I was also like the older kid that went with my dad more often. And he yep. was sort of left at home. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, it, the it was, technology for me, it was more of a social thing too. Like whenever the, the Nintendo or whatever was more likely to be used when somebody else was around, when it was, you yeah, know, your def- friend is over. The two player games were, yeah. were, were way better than a single player games. I, yeah. I can remember that was, uh, that was a thing we played, you know, games against each other. Yeah. And nowadays, if you're playing a multiplayer game, the odds of someone sitting in the room with you is very, very low. Right. It's well, all uh, online. Fortnite. Mm-hmm. That's a huge thing where kids are just sitting by themselves and they're they're playing with you know I don't know a forty year old dude sitting in his sweatpants or maybe <laughs> another eight year old yeah. you know who knows I think you you're making an interesting point here I think that that it is important to be able to have your kids have these skills with a computer and I think one of the skills that we've learned over the years is the skill of knowing when to stop right like being able to control yourself this is a challenge i mean i remember in the 1990s uh, before the internet there was this thing called bbs's the bulletin yep. board system where you that's would, the first time i used the internet to basically bulletin board system on i needed to fix an engine oh and okay it was uh, like a forum but it was before forums in yep. fact i was talking about this in the show and a friend of mine was like no jay that wasn't a that wasn't a forum. That was a bulletin board system. So you dialed up on the modem and you yep. connected to the thing. Yep. You had an account. Uh, for listeners that don't know what this was, it was essentially like the pre-internet, except you would call 
a local phone number. I mean, you could call long distance, but then you were paying long distance right. to yep. call. But you know, generally, you would call the ones in your local area. Your computer would connect to the other computer, and then you'd have some sort of time limit, usually, because the person who was running the system wants more people to call. They don't just want one guy sitting on the phone for four hours. Because if you're on the line... No one else could call into the to the system. So, like, you would usually have some time limit. It might be 20 minutes. It might be a half hour or an hour or something like that. And the system would cut you off and say, call back tomorrow. And so you sort of had, like, this natural built-in limitation on these. But, of course, there was no limit to the number of systems that were out there. So if you once you were finished calling one, you could call the next one. And then you could call the next one. And they all had their own different message forums and their different games that you could play online. So it was very sort of, you know, preliminary what the internet was going to be like. And it had an addictive aspect to it. I remember being a teenager and calling these things every afternoon and calling a bunch of them and spending a lot of time on that. So my parents, I don't think were too concerned uh, about that at that time. I, I still got out and did things. So it wasn't like a domination of, my life or anything like that but you know it's definitely something that i think a responsible parent would have to teach their kids is how to not get completely sucked into these online worlds and still spend some time you know looking at trees or whatever we also have a binge culture so Mm -hmm. like people are like oh have you watched uh blah 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 or this on netflix i'm like nah nah i don't don't have time to watch any Mm. of that stuff and they're like oh you just gotta take like just take like a, a Saturday a whole and weekend. Sunday, yeah. and 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 it's called binging, and and just binge, binge watch this. And so, it's one of my family members is like, "Oh, you got to binge watch this," and I'm like, "I'm not doing that." No. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 but that's like you know, uh, you know, a lot of people. It is a cultural thing. You know, now. Yeah, do right. binge drinking. They do binge drugging. They mm-hmm. do binge, yeah. you know, whatever. And uh, you know, so. So that is uh, something that, you know, if you're a parent that's doing that, you're going to binge playing video games and play mm-hmm. video games for, you know, an entire weekend. And, and I know people my age that literally, you know, work hard and they binge play video games like, you know, for 18 hours a weekend. Uh, and, yeah. and, that, and that's their thing. And, you know, just like you were saying, parents are looking at screens more than they're you know, interact. I said that. All, I don't know if I said that on the air, but oh, I right. have that story here from studyfinds.org. Again, this all ties into what we've been talking about. Uh, there's no shortage of studies showing the ill effects of screen time on young developing minds, which we've discussed. But while many parents set rules in place to limit their kids' electronics time, most aren't doing the best job role modeling themselves. According to new research, three out of five American parents admit they spend more time on their electronic devices than their kids do and you want to talk about you know setting a bad example for your kids if you're telling them on one hand do it you know do this thing but i don't have to do this thing then it's you know do as i say not as i do kids know when you're being a hypocrite oh yeah i mean whether they point it out to you or not they're going to be very aware of the fact that you don't do as you say and And that's that hurts and here's the thing they want to emulate everything you do uh, you know, the little root, the little chicken learns from the big chicken. And mm-hmm. that is true. My kids want to do everything that my wife and I do. Heck, everything that my son does, my daughter wants to do and vice versa. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're just in that. They're just so impressionable at these ages. So they're going to learn that. Um, <clears throat> so I, before we, you know, went to the break last, uh, last segment, uh, I said, I believe the state's responsible for a lot of this. Oh yeah. I don't think of, we fo- followed up on that. Yeah. So. And the, and the, so I'm going to just kind of read off some things here. We'll come back to some of them. 
So uh, how is the state responsible for this problem of parents having to lean on Internet devices as pacifiers and babysitters? Uh, A lot of it has to do with finances, and a lot of people, a lot of uh, parents struggle. By impoverishing the parents, they put them in a position where they feel like they have to give them a digital babysitter, So they can get work done, Mm -hmm. so they can have some peace and time on their own. I mean, parents need a little time off, too, from their kids. So, like, how how does this state do this? Well, regulations, for Mm -hmm. example— taxation, uh, fractional reserve banking, right, uh, which is right. just stealing everybody's wealth, you know, incrementally. That's a really great point. I mean, if you look back uh, 70 years, in, you know, 1950, you had a parent staying at home. You had yep. one parent, yep. usually the dad, going yep. out to work, and the mom would stay home, take care of the kids, you know, yep. make some dinner or whatever, uh, do the things that need to be done at home. And then because of the things you're talking about, debasing the, the money supply and all the government controls yep. and the regulations and the taxes, they made it so mom had to go to work, too, yes. in order to con- to, to yep. continue having the same lifestyle. And what we're seeing happen with the inflation going on right now is people are getting continually set back. By the money printing, because when the government prints more money out, which is what they've done trillions of in just the last few years, some people have said it's as much as like 40% of the money supply has come out, has been produced within the last few years since the whole COVID uh, thing. What they've done by doing that is they've lowered the standard of living, the quality of life for people you know, you're making a little bit more, quote unquote, because the companies have had to raise the rates, but it doesn't buy what it you're used to buy. You're spending a lot more, making right. a little more, spending a lot more, a couple right. more. Um, so I so said, you're behind the yeah. ball compared to what you were doing just and, three or four years ago. And that hurts. And, and I should have had these in a little better order. So I got public schools on here. So we'll get back to public mm-hmm. schools in just That's a, a second. That's a huge one. So the government is subsidizing all kinds of things. So the government is subsidizing drug addiction. Yep. yep. So the government is subsidizing single single moms. Uh, the government is. It's a drug addiction uh, to pharmaceuticals that right. they're subsidizing. Well, there's all kinds right? of drug addiction that they're subsidizing. Yeah. So the government is uh, subsidizing single moms. The government is subsidizing big tech. Let's not forget all the big tech players have gotten major major contracts. From Big time. From the feds, from the state, from Amazon's all kinds of... Amazon's running all kinds of servers for yep. the CIA and the FBI and, and, and stuff. And Google and the whole nine yep. yards. Uh, and, and then uh, and even like um, you have examples where uh, like, uh, was it Twitter, you know, was told by the government to, you know, censor this and add that and, you know, yeah, block They still are and, being and, told that. Correct. Uh, government is subsidizing poor people. Uh, sure. Government is subsidizing devices so there's all kinds of public school programs where your kid gets a tablet or a computer and takes it home mm-hmm. uh and even like you know a computer like a chromebook is basically a tablet with a nice keyboard uh Pretty you much. know and yeah. that's kind of what uh, from what i understand was is doled out um then you have uh the subsidization of judicial pensions uh which is a, an element of this and you also have the subsidization uh or encouragement or regulation or whatever of moms in the workplace by making it so that mom and dad both have to work, as you were saying, now the kid has to go to public schools. Now you got to pay, you know, was it $20,000 a year to send a kid to public school? And actually that number is not even correct because mm-hmm. if you look at the pension liabilities mm-hmm. for these teachers and these administrators and all of these, you know, yeah. uh, extremely woke, you know, 100% Democrat voting um, and I'm a, you know, Democrats and Republicans are, you know, both, you know, same feathers of a bad bird as far as I'm sure. concerned. Uh, 
you know, you know, in these school systems like that, that pension funding, that li- uh, what, what do they call unfunded liability uh, is actually huge. That's something that we have a little uh, study group getting into in New Hampshire here so we can see how much like the social workers actually cost plus the unfunded liabilities, hmm. um, for example, and, you know, and, and the teachers and stuff. So what this so now the kids are going to public schools and these are all everything I, I read here is basically what I, I call elements tactics of multi-generational warfare. So we have people that have, you know, for, you know, so my dad went to public school, you know, my grandparents went to public school. Uh, my great grandparents, actually, uh, most of them came from somewhere else and they didn't go to public school. Like mm. my, my uh, I have great grandparents that came from Ireland okay. um, and, you know, they were homeschooled. Uh, so anyways, uh, but, you know, and then you have like, uh, but we have, you know, four or five generations of people who have all been educated in the public school system. We know the public and, and the American public school system is like lowest in the nation. I heard a little clip of Trump talking about how it's like the worst out of the 40 countries that are picked almost mm. all the time. Uh, you know, and you know, he was kind of right about that stuff. It, you know, it's, it's horrible. You look at other countries when it comes to science, mathematics, engineering. I mean, the, the amount of engineers that are being produced in Japan and China is like, you know, is huge yeah. compared to America. America is producing consumers, um, you know, and, and, uh, and, you know, and skillless workers essentially. That's and, a fact. uh, so, but government, uh, because, you know, it has been, there's all kinds of ways that this is influenced. Like we know for a fact that like in the sixties and the seventies, the Russian communist socialists purposely infiltrated the American school system. There's yep, whole sure. books written about this. Bernie Sanders was all, That's you no know, secret. part of this. It's part, no of the, secret. it's part of the communist uh, manifesto. So, right? right. And so the planks, so this is uh, a situation where literally the the government has, you know, done kneecap realignments to the people via all these, you know, tactics of generational warfare, silent wars, and they're providing the crutch. And the crutch is the Internet device mm-hmm. because there is so many people on the left that are like, oh, we need child care. We need child care. Like I talked to a family. They got two kids and I'm telling them what I'm doing with raising chickens. Like, oh, we can't do that. We live in a condo. Oh, well, we both work for the university in our town, so we have to send our two kids to daycare. I'm like, you know, both don't have to work for the university. You know, they're they're working nine to five cubicle jobs. Yeah. And their 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 kids are being educated by some strangers and indoctrinated. There's more coming up here. If you want to join the show, the number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever you want here on Free Talk Live. We got more on the way. show tonight about parents and uh, the kids that they have uh, they're raising and whether or not they're addicted to online devices like smartphones or tablets and such and you want to join the show again the number is 603-283-6160 if you want to comment it's ian and jay here in the studio tonight we mentioned dash earlier and i want to remind you free talk live is brought to you by dash a cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending dash has been around for a long time it was one of the original cryptocurrencies one of the first i think 15 if i recall correctly it's been around for a while and dash transactions are irreversible 
their uh, network is protected from the dreaded 51% attack by their chain locks technology. You don't know what that means. It's okay. You don't need to. Just know that Dash is reliable. Uh, there's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete. So it's great for merchants. It has been around, as I said, for some time, many, many years, almost a decade at this point. Uh, next year, I think it will be a full decade of Dash. You can get it in a lot of places, a lot of exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol. And one of the really key aspects to Dash that makes it particularly useful, unlike Bitcoin, because Bitcoin has very high fees, Dash has fees less than one cent per transaction. And that ensures that Dash is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. There are thousands of cryptocurrencies out there, but very few of them focus on what Dash focuses on, which is actually being used to buy and sell. You can start by learning more at Dash.org. And big thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. You can visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. And by the way, a big, big, big thanks to the Dash DAO for committing to a, a full 12 months here with Free Talk Live. Uh, now, they could technically, they could undo it at some time, you know, anytime they wanted to. Uh, so it could change, but it's a pretty big commitment for them to say that. We asked for for a big one, and they they went with it. It was uh, really appreciated, so I'm glad that they value what we're doing here. And, of course, it's the masternodes, the people who are making up their DAO, their decentralized autonomous organization that make those decisions. You can learn more at Dash.org. That's Dash.org as we continue here talking about parents and some of the just sad numbers here. I'm going to give you a few more here, Jay. I know you're going through your list of reasons why the state is actually encouraging parents through all of its regulations and its taxes and incentives and their or their incentives, uh, skewed incentives. And now you got, you know, you got generations that are addicted to these devices. That's one of the reasons why the youngest generation is getting handed devices when they, you know, fall out of their mother's womb because their parents are hooked on these things. Mm -hmm. So they wanted their kids to do the same thing. Uh, according to this study here cited by studyfinds.org, moms and dads in the U.S. on average spend nearly five hours per day on electronic devices. Sadly, that's more than the less than four hours they spend on meaningful activities with their kids, according to the survey of 2,000 U.S. parents. Most parents, 80% of them, own three electronic devices or more, with the majority of their kids, 81%, owning at least two electronic devices. So it's not just a phone. It may be a phone and a tablet. It may be a, you know, a phone and a laptop, highlighting the enormous presence of technology in households. Only 2% of these kids do not own any devices. 2%. So you're in the 2%, Jay, right yeah. now. Wow, that's scary. Yep. Uh, parents in the digital age here, according to one poll, this is uh, they conducted the survey on behalf of Camp Spot, revealed that more than half of U.S. parents, 60% of them, are seeking ways to escape technology and reconnect with their kids. So that's something to... You know, maybe look at as a bright spot, perhaps parents are aware that they have a problem and that there is a problem and they're that, looking for ways to solve it. So I, I talked to a, a friend today and she goes, she tells me she has Internet uh, addiction. Uh, I have another good friend that's been telling me about his Internet addiction things uh, for a while. He last winter didn't really have a hobby and he was coming to my farm. Uh, this, this this good friend of mine, he lived at. An, almost an hour away and he mm -hmm. would come to my farm and just do whatever farm chores i had on a whiteboard okay. for him 
and he was real good at it. And he's, he's, he's you know, 56 years old. Hmm. And he was like, I just need a reason to not be looking at an internet device. Right. So he was just leave his phone at home, drive his car to my place. And half the time I wasn't even there. And he would, you know, put a check mark on, you know, the huh. things he did. And he'd write, cool. leave me a note. And, uh, and then he started working on a big solar project up on his property. So he was mm-hmm. able to, but he, he asked me, he goes, I'm done with my solar. Can I come back to a, being a farmhand again? And <laughs> sure. I'm like, yeah, man. You've always got stuff to do, right? And, and, and yeah, and he was just, you know, very happy that even if it was to come just stack firewood, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and e- even if I didn't give him a chore, he would find something to do, you know, he's, mm-hmm. but you know, he's, he's in his fifties, he's yep. resourceful, you know, he, he, and he, you know, works hard. But he's he does it. He has an IT job, so he's on the internet. He's and he's and the other thing he's trying to do is get his eyesight back because he thinks that from looking at screens for you mm. know thirty five years, he's really hurt his eyes. Could be. I've heard that that's a possibility. Mom and dads are apparently encouraging more outdoor play. Seventy six percent of them. Seventy four percent are setting time limits on electronic devices. Sixty three percent are creating device free zones. The majority also started engaging in outdoor family activities this summer with camping and hiking trips at 59% emerging as the most popular choice, followed by picnics and visiting amusement and water parks at 58%. So parents are trying to do things to break the addiction that they themselves have. And one of the things I've always heard, and and Bonnie and I did this the other night, it was our uh, first anniversary earlier this week, and we went out to dinner and we put the two phones on the side of the table, stacked on top of uh, one another, and did our best to stay away from them. I only uh, picked up the phone for one thing, and it was when we had to, you know, were disagreeing on something or wanted to look something up. Yep. We both agreed that we were going to use the the phone to, uh, you know, use for that purpose. And that's something that people have done before when they've gone out on, with a group. Uh, you know, you go to a uh, group out for dinner or whatever you stack the phones up and whoever picks up their phone first has to pay for the whole meal so oh nice you, i like that you incentivize people to uh to not use the device i would definitely not lose that battle <laughs> <laughs> let's go to the phones here skeeter is on the line in california go ahead skeeter hey could you guys um stop using brexit as a successful example of secession it's it's just an economic union that has ex- an explicit exit clause and it's, it has nothing to do with a constitutional union like we have so using it as an example is uh, being intellectually dishonest. Uh, not to mention that the majority of Britons regret Brexit because they were lied to and they lost a lot of rights they thought they'd retain, like property rights. Okay. Well, nobody said it was like the exact same thing, but we gave it as an example because Britain was able to leave the European Union without uh, the European Union rolling in tanks or doing a lot of the things that people are afraid uh, would happen here in the United States. So nobody said it yeah, was apples to apples. There's no food bar- there's ex- embargoes in Britain, right? Nope, right, as yeah. far as I know. No, that, that's no. what a guy told me why this New Hampshire exit thing, uh, actually a state legislature uh, told me, oh, well, that's ridiculous. He says uh, New Hampshire has to, if there was a food, they would do a food embargo, and New Hampshire only produces 6% of its food. And my response was a good proportion of that food that, all over the world is just wasted first mm-hmm. off and uh everybody could do could could would get a lot healthier if everybody was sort of forced to fast <laughs> <laughs> except for the kids you can't you can't starve kids can't be can't can't fast they need to grow but definitely a, there's a lot of adults that can use some fasting yeah so skeeter's here to spread uh, spread some fear go ahead spread some fear skeeter let's hear it 
Yeah, my problem with Brexit, though, is that uh, this economic, the EU is an economic union with an explicit exit clause. So uh-huh. they have the right to leave. So unlike, do we. Unlike, so do we. No, you don't need no, an exit clause. No, well, actually, there is an exit clause that the Constitution provides. You, you either have to um, get bilateral permission. No, you don't. That's so you not in there. That's in there. That's not That's in there. The no, there's the Constitution. I'm sorry, you're wrong. The Constitution in the United States does not address any sort of process whatsoever for leaving. Now, some people, like Skeeter, uh, don't understand this, and they think that because it doesn't say anything, that therefore you can't ever leave. That's what they believe, and he cited this court case, Texas versus White, which was uh, during the Civil War or shortly thereafter. Uh, it was a stacked court, of course, by uh, Lincoln, who had appointed people to that particular court. Of course, we know what Lincoln was willing to do in order to keep the union together and the amount of violence that he was willing to use. Kill all the um, draft dodgers, you know, shut down media. All yep, kind. He yeah, was arrest the press, all that stuff. Uh, but the reality is the Constitution specifies that anything that is not specified in the Constitution is left up to the states. That is the 10th, if I recall correctly, the 10th yep. Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And so, therefore, because any provision to leave the Union is not specified, if they wanted a provision, if they wanted to require two-thirds or a, you know whatever the amount would have been of the other states to let you go, they would have put that in there. They didn't. And that's because, generally, in order to leave a club that you've joined, you don't have to ask the club's permission. If I join the club, I can leave the club without having to ask their permission to leave. I'm pretty sure the Constitution refers to, uh, uh, it's in the New Hampshire Constitution anyways, that uh, the body politic is a voluntary society. Almost every Constitution yeah. says something uh, about that. So because of the Tenth Amendment, Skeeter, that where no. it says that... No? No, no the Ninth Amendment uh, takes takes effect because the Supreme Court did rule on an exit clause. They give, they give you two options. You can either bilaterally secede, not unilaterally, or you can successfully have a revolution, and they acknowledge that in their exit clause. It doesn't matter the what Texas the Supreme Re- Court says. Oh yeah, they have. No, they have it doesn't matter the, what the Constitution. You know what? Says. There are it's nine not- people that wear uh, black clothing, and they won't matter when sixty-seven percent of the New Hampshire people say they are ready to go. It will not matter what the Supreme Court says. You're also wrong. You're also wrong about how they rule on unmentioned things in the Constitution. The Ninth huh? Amendment gives them the power to rule on unenumerated rights, right? I don't and care they, what they. I don't care what powers they think they have. So the 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 idea that government has can do anything that a private individual citizen can do, um, is is that's the limit of government. That's all it's supposed to be. So we have what we have is we have you know rogue municipal corporations now they're not even really rogue they've become the you know norm uh, that are just operating you know in this statutory law like you know for example can you or I force your neighbor to um, pay for your kid to go to pro- go go to school no we can't you should not be able to do yeah, that but the state does it all the time uh, it's called property taxes and, uh, and that's hopefully going to change we're going to come up with some remedy here. Um, and I, I, I hope the remedy exists. Uh, I, I hope we can make it happen. But just, you know, the idea is the government only has power, whatever is derived from the people. That's in every constitution. Right. And so, I don't know what Skeeter's talking about with the Ninth Amendment. I just pulled up the text here, and it says, very simple one, it says, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights 
shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. That has absolutely nothing whatsoever to do with the Supreme Court being able to say yay or nay to some people deciding they want to say goodbye. And if the people of New Hampshire say they are done with this union, it is over. Because they will have gotten to the point where if the the people in uh, Black Moomoo's at the Supreme Court don't like it, they won't care. Because they're tired of the federal government, they're tired of being ruled by them, and they have had enough. And that's why they would be voting to leave this union. If you've got a supermajority of people who've come to that conclusion, they are ready to go. They're ready to take the risk because there there is a risk. I mean, Skeeter's not wrong when he will let you know that these people could be violent. I mean, that is a possibility. These people are psychopaths. They are willing to use violence to get their way. So that is a possibility. So if you can convince two-thirds of a state population to support that, to support taking that risk, to go off into this sort of unknown future of independence, which could be incredibly beneficial to us, there's always risk involved. But if you've gotten to that point then you are not going back. Those people are not going to go back. They are likely willing to fight for it if it is necessary to fight for it. Now, no one wants to see that happen. Uh, No one I know. We all want to see a peaceful secession. We want to see peaceful independence. It does not have to come to violence, and hopefully it will not. Thank you for the call, Skeeter. Let's continue here with uh, David in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, series of facts on your topic is, uh, one, bottom line is might makes right. Two, if, and I'm repeating myself, but if the founding documents, the highest law in the land, was actually enforced as it's intended and as it's written, then there there would be only, you'd only have half of the things to complain about that you do. I'm not not, uh, saying you're having a a complaining party. I'm just saying the things that are grievances of yours, they would be cut in half if the original... uh, highest law of the land was adhered to. Sure, yeah, because and, that would result in the abolishment of almost all of the federal government. They, right, they would well, all just go away. The IRS number, would no longer three, exist. Hmm? Point number three is the, the, the federal government that you have now is not your legitimate government. There are imposters that have, through fraud, taken over control of this nation illegally. They're not your government. They're, they're imposters. They're you've an occupying duped. military. Right. You've been, you've been duped. They're swindlers. They're organized crime. But they'll they're always be that. They've always no, been no, that. No, you're being defeatist. You're being defeatist. When did that See, change? A... When did the swindlers come in? When, when were the honest men in the federal government? I want to know. What was that time frame? Well, that's a series of questions. Give me one question. When was the time frame in which these supposedly honest people were in the federal government gang? They, they, uh, 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 against all odds and, 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 and expected to fail, they actually prevailed over a world power. It wasn't expected to happen. So they took their enemy by surprise and they got something. And, and so there was a, uh, a, what, you know, a minority number of individuals in that movement. Well, it might have been a more majority in that movement. I mean, minority uh, in the general population, defeated a world power, and the world power never broke stride. They be, they began when they when they when the defeat happened. They began immediately 
to plot against you and have been plotting against you every second of every minute of every hour of every day. So the answer is there's per- never been an honest person in the federal government. No, is what you're saying. The, the one, no, because the, they yeah, immediately true. began well, plotting well, that, against that, us. That, that, well, that, that's not true. It's true. And it's not true. There have the, the, the people who have are actually succeeded in, in being in basic control, not, in, not absolute control, but basic control of your federal government. Um, they're, they're dishonest because they're, they're uh-huh. just, uh, you know, they're jerks, and that, that's their game. They love being so. And you agree and, those people have been in since day one, right? The, for all eternity, since the existence okay. of human beings, especially the last 10,000 years. Right. So then there would be, so then the answer to my question is that there is no time frame in which there were honest people in, in the federal government, right? No, it's a split, it's a split answer. It's yes and no. Uh, and I gave you the, the, the first part is, well, uh, George correct. Washington are, was a scumbag too. Right? I would say Ron well, Paul well, might be the only guy. Well, I, it, it's easier. It's easier if you don't uh, try to identify whether a, a, a capital, uh, you know, a proper noun person entity was good or bad. It's it's easier to speak in terms of generic individuals. They're, they're, I don't even know what that means. Well, then, then what, we'll just what are you trying forward. to say? It, rather than it, it's kind of a waste of time to debate George Washington. He was a mixed bag. He did a lot of good things. He sure, some, some of these things. people did some good things, but you can say the same thing about some of the people in Washington uh, today. Every now and then, a broken clock strikes right, uh, but that doesn't true, mean that true. overall there's not terrifying, awful things coming out of the federal government because of that's what true. the incentives no, are overall, for government. There is awful, terrifying things coming out of the federal government, and that's why I, I started to say. Once again, and I'll continue to repeat myself. What would be, you know, be, would, besides John Hancock's signature, I think the largest words in the the founding documents are "We the people." That, that, that it means nothing. That, well, it does to me. Yeah, it just to, to get me, you think thinking I, that you have some say no, in this no, nonsense, no, and you don't. No, I think I can find. I think I can find about ten million other dudes that it means something to that are willing. Yeah, that's because they've been brainwashed. Up. I mean, they've been brainwashed by the government schools to think, oh, yeah, we're the government. No, you're not. You're not the government. You'll never be the government. They are the government, and they will rule you. That's what they do. Back back to point number one, might makes right. Okay? Uh Uh-huh. I don't agree with that, but that's how they do things. No, I I do agree with it because it's actually science. Because if you, you, you had better believe in might makes right, because if you don't believe in it, Somebody else who does believe in might makes right is going to come along and clean your clock. Well, I get what you're saying. That is the way of the world. I would like to see humans advance beyond bare thuggery as too. far as interactions with one another. I would another. too. I would too. The yeah. problem is, the problem is, you're in the might with that thought pattern. I, I I believe that as well. I would like that as well. We're in the minority. There's a lot of brute force. I understand that. that. That's why I want to see people that agree. And thank you for the call tonight. That's why I want to see people that think that, you know, peace is the answer, that voluntary interaction between humans is the answer. Those people should be moving to New Hampshire or, you know, whatever other small enclaves of freedom. Maybe Liberland will work out. I don't know. Uh, But the best bet seems like New Hampshire at the moment. And they should come together to be with like-minded people so we can actually achieve some sort of peaceful, voluntary society. Maybe it can happen in our lifetime if people get moving and, and get active. 
because it, he's right. The world is ruled by might makes right. And we could change that. So let's strip the might from this centralized power. And one of the other things I want to suggest people to do is teach their kids how to barter with silver. So my daughter understands that silver's money. She understands gold's money because we have gold backs and we have silver bits. So I've, I, uh, and she understands that these federal reserve notes, she just calls her, calls them paper. I'm not trying to tell her to, you know, that these are negotiable instruments, you know, issued by a private bank, <laughs> right. you know, they're just paper. Look, it's just That's paper. Are, yeah. And so, uh, here's a really good idea. And this is so much fun. So go to a, lo- go to a farmer's market or get yourself some, a, a barter, a barter bag of silver bits from jmbullion.com. Mm-hmm. Check that out. These little one tenth ounce bits and Go to what does a, it cost? What's a barter bag? Cost? A barter bag, I believe, is about is just under four hundred bucks. The the price fluctuates because uh-huh. of silver price, but I think it was like a couple of weeks ago it was like three hundred and ninety dollars for the yeah. um, ten ounce barter bag with a hundred pieces of silver. That's a lot tenths. better, by the way. Than uh, there's been news recently that Costco is apparently selling ounces of gold for like nineteen hundred and change, and they are selling out of them. But what do you do with an ounce of gold? Right, right. So if you so one thing you can yeah you, it's, you an ounce of gold you need to be a buying a car weight. or a yeah. horse you know or an entire year's worth of rations right but anyways you can't uh, use them day to day you can't buy a, uh, you know twelve and, eggs and you're something. not going to let your kids go run around with an ounce of gold <laughs> but you can let your kids run around with an ounce with the one tenth ounce of silver sure because it's like three dollars and ninety cents they lose it it's not the end it's, of the world it's not right? the end of the world but the kids can so here's the thing. Uh, you go to like a farmer's market, and this is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And you say, All right, so I say, Cypress, you can take some silver and you know go get you what, what you want. And she'll mm-hmm. go find something, some apples, some peppers. Can I trade you silver? And nobody can say no to her. Really? So every now and She's then- She's batting a thousand, huh? Uh, well- <laughs> So every now and then someone's like, well, I can't accept silver because, you oh, know. The boss isn't here, right? boss isn't yeah, here yeah. and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I heard that one when yeah. I tried the gold bags so, at the farmer's market. So, yeah, okay. Uh, but most of the people, like, they'll just keep the silver and they'll and put, put and, the dollars And they'll in there, swipe yeah. their card and buy the thing. I watched right. a, guy, a couple of guys do that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, but that's a lot of fun. That's and cool. it's a lot of fun for everybody. And That's educational for the kids. Not only that, right. is it gets this silver like it, so. We need to learn how to barter in the in the parallel economy. We've got to practice trading in precious mm-hmm. metals. We got to practice trading in crypto. So I don't want my kid using a smartphone and doing a crypto transaction. Sure. But the silver transaction is a lot of fun, and I will tell you. The silver is way better than the kids because the gold backs, they crunch them up, put them in their pocket, they lose them, they mm. drop them. And mm-hmm. I'll be like, hey, let's put a couple of silver silver bits in your pocket, honey. Can't bust that and, up. And uh, then uh, when she gets there, she pulls her silver out of her pocket and mm-hmm. she pays, she'll pay for her, her green pepper or her That's apple cool. or whatever. That's really cool. And, and it's a lot of fun. And we're... I, I'm hoping to make a video about it someday to encourage some yeah. other parents to do this because it, it, it's just such a great experience doing that. And... You know, my grandma paid me in like Su- Susan B. Anthony dollars. Like I got paid in 1964 junk silver as a little boy, and uh, so and, and that's another thing that you know I got a dopamine hit from getting that silver coin, and uh, and it's why I've, I've been a silver bug my entire life because of that. I believe it's fun to have somebody say yes to taking precious metals, whether it's uh, silver bits or gold backs. Anytime you can get somebody to you know feel excited about accepting payment in one of these precious metals. It's a really cool feeling. You and don't have to be a kid to like that. People love it when kids do trans financial transactions with them. We'll see you tomorrow. Freetalklive.com. 
you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. Porcupineralestate.com